Week one is in the books. We're looking ahead at week two. But Mitch, are we the team that like busts out of the gates like Lee Wynn, Princeton, or Morrison? Or are we more of the team that's trying to find our identity? Where, where are we at here headed into week two? You know, you and I. You know, I, I think I think we talked about this at the beginning of the year. I think that this is our, our fourth full year. I, I feel like we're more in the Lee Wynn uh status you know I, I don't know that we're we have the accolades that lee win does but I, I feel like we have that consistency going week after week so yeah i feel pretty good about where we're at yeah what do we got to do to win a podcast state championship that that's the next goal i uh, yeah i mean well i mean bring me the contenders right show me who the competition is <laughs> well let's just keep doing what we do week in and week out let's get into it talking illinois high school football if your goals are as high as you talk about Tonight's the night you go out and just take one more step. It's a view from the West. And it starts right now! Welcome back to View from the West podcast, the podcast covering Illinois high school football on the western side of the state of Illinois. I'm your host, Greg Armstrong, joined once again, as always, by Mitch Stormer. Mitch, here we go. Week one is done. Week two, we're looking ahead. We've got some great matchups coming. How are you feeling here? Yeah, it, it was it was a fun week, right? We, we anticipated that. We knew that there was going to be a lot of intrigue across all the conferences. There was a lot of question marks that we wanted answered from certain teams, wondering what they would look like, wondering um, if they had found their identity yet. So I, I think there are still some of those questions, right? Week one tells us a lot, but it also doesn't tell us the whole story. It'll, it'll take a few weeks for that to really come into play. But um, li- like I said, some answers we, we got and some surprises, Greg, some teams that won that maybe we weren't expecting, some teams that lost, same thing. So, you know, uh, performances, some, some new players that we weren't expecting. So Week one was great, and uh, looking forward to recapping this and even looking down the road to week two. Yeah, Mitch, we'll get to our viewpoints in a second, but, you know, we were joking in the, in the you know, open of the show about, you know, are we the Lee win? Are we the Princeton that busts out of the gates here in week one? Are we still a work in progress? I, you know, looking around the area, you saw some teams that are still trying to figure some things out. And Mitch, I talked a little bit about it on the podcast, but I, I got in the uh, instant reacts podcast, you know, I, I gotta be honest. I, my Friday night was kind of clunky. I just, I could yeah. not get, I could not get in a good rhythm and some things were kind of out of my control. I'm, I'm sometimes at the mercy of how the game plays out, but yeah. you know, I, I just, I stayed a little bit, probably stayed a little bit too long at my first game, Mercer County and United, and was kind of waiting and waiting for one more big play. And then by the time I got to Rockridge, I had already missed Newman's pick six. So I already missed their touchdown. Luckily, I got Rockridge's touchdown in the second quarter. They were up 7-6. So when I left the game in the fourth quarter, I felt good. Like there's a potential that I have the, you know, the, the winning touchdown, essentially. You know, it happened in the first half, but it still would have won the game. And then, man, Brian Stocking kind of burst my bubble and says that Newman scored again when I wasn't there. So it just, we'll get into the game details later, but I just, I feel bad. I missed out on Newman's best highlights, and I just, ah, I hate that feeling. Well, and that goes back to things that we've talked about before, that if, if fans could experience a Friday night at the score, just to know what goes into a production like that, and like you said, you're on a time crunch. 
So you, you are at the mercy of whenever you, you arrive at that game. Um, you, you could miss three or four touchdowns by a couple of minutes. It all just depends on so many factors. So, you know, a, a tough night for you, uh, you know, it, it, getting back into the swing of things. But again, things like that, you just can never control. But um, I, I have confidence that you tried your best. Um, the, uh, the the highlights were great that you shot. So uh, kudos to you for getting back into the swing of things. But, uh, yeah. you know, we'll, we'll look for you to improve in week two. Yeah, well, I'm, you know, I'm geared up. I'm excited for a big week two. I think I know where I'm going. We'll talk about it in a little bit here. Was there a polar pop on your trip? Oh, absolutely. So where, I left. Where was um, it? I left work and headed on my way over into Illinois. I uh, stopped at the Rock Island Circle K right down by uh, Augustana's mm-hmm. campus mm-hmm. there, and yeah. uh, grabbed one. Headed up the hill over to Moline. Stopped in, said hey to the guys at WQAD and gals. Uh, Camille wasn't there, but I said hi to everybody, and uh, you know, then I hit the road. So I had I had a polar pop on the way to my to, to, to Alito. So. Excellent. So I was definitely fueled. I was well hydrated, but you know, so, right. so like I said, you know, yep. well, I'm geared up, ready to go for week two. So All Mitch, right. good to know. We start our show with our viewpoints. We'll do a couple yep. viewpoints each. Basically, the headlines of week one. I'll, I'll default to you. I'll let you start this week. What's your, uh, you know, name them both. Let's go. Give me, give me both of your viewpoints. Okay. Um, as I said in the beginning. You know, we we had some surprises this week, but we also saw some things that played out as we expected. So it was kind of like it was good to see that that happened. And let me explain that. Okay. For and, and again, I don't know if I'm going to steal yours, so I apologize if I'm going to. It may that. happen. It may happen. Um, let me start with Princeton. We knew that Princeton is is the top team in the track. We knew that they're the top-ranked team in 3A. We had questions about who might be their star player this year and, and certainly didn't expect that in week one. We knew they had guys coming back. We, we knew, um, you, you know, that they, they had Noah Laporte coming back. Uh, they know, we know that they had Ace Christensen coming back. But little did we know that, that Coach Ryan Pearson – had a secret weapon waiting in the wings that <laughs> no one had seen on film because he's a sophomore. No one knew about him. And just to have a weapon like sophomore Casey Etheridge in your lineup, we'll talk about it in a minute. In his debut, 234 yards, four touchdowns to pace the Tigers. So just what Princeton needed, right? A weapon that no one knew about. Um, awesome to see. Um, again, another, another year of Princeton football looks like it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Yep, absolutely. His name will certainly be brought up, you know, later in the pod when we get into that, in the, into the three rivers and into that Princeton game. That that's a good one. I agree. That was, that was something that stood out to me. What else you got? Uh, what was your, me, you have a second one? Yeah, let me, let me stay in the track and we'll get into this too. Um, because I spoke to head coach Mike LeMay on Saturday what a win for Newman. I mean, we, we were high on Rock Ridge. The rankings were high on Rock Ridge. I still think Rock Ridge is going to have a really good season. Yep. But for Newman to come out to win the way that they did, super impressive for Coach LeMay, for that team, sophomore quarterback, um, really good defensive unit like we thought they were going to have. And, I, and I'll get into a little bit more of that conversation later, but really just probably the win of the week, right? Newman. 
upset win over Rockridge puts them on a really, really good start. Um, they've got Newman's got a, a couple of tough games coming up here after week two. So we'll get into that too. But uh, really impressive with this Newman victory in week one. Yep. All right. I got a couple of viewpoints before we get going. But I got to start. I got to start at the game I was at first in this one. I was, just to be honest, I was surprised when I saw what United did against Mercer County. I was at the game at the beginning, and even when I left, it was a one-score game, and I kind of wondered if in the second half that Mercer County would kind of come to life. I give United credit that they hung tough. We'll talk about their effort later on in the show, but what a win for Coach Milroy and this United Red Storm team. I mean, it, it, it was a tough year last year, no doubt about it. And for them to come out in week one on a team that we were pretty high, playing a team we were pretty high on, to get that win on the road, that, that's a huge win. That's, that's my first viewpoint. I, I can't wait to talk about that game. Second yep. viewpoint, Mitch, we knew the Morrison Mustangs were fast, but holy cow. I mean, you yeah. saw the game more than I did, but just the stats, we'll get into it. This team looks like it could be really electric. It could make some headlines this year. I'm I'm excited. This this really as if I wasn't excited enough, this really energizes me to see, man, just how good are they, you know? Right. Yep, exactly. So we'll get into that, but and and again to tease, really, really intriguing matchup here in week two for Morrison. Yep, absolutely. Well, before we jump into our week one results and looking ahead at week two. Of course, we thank our sponsor at Breedlove Sporting Goods. Breedlove's is Western Illinois' premier sporting goods store for uniforms, apparel, equipment, awards, and online team stores. They provide the same sporting goods services that the big nationwide companies do, but with a faster turnaround and their uniform pricing is a fraction of what you're probably used to. They offer name brands such as Adidas, Under Armour, Nike, and are extremely responsive with any inquiries. With a primary focus on the western side of the state of Illinois, Breedlove Sporting Goods is the fastest way to outfit your team. Check them out on Facebook or at BreedloveSports.com or contact Cal Breedlove directly. Email him at calbreedlove at gmail.com. All right, Mitch, we're getting into week one. The Western Big Six will start with LaSalle, Peru, knocking off United Township 34-14. We talked a little bit about LP. The Cavaliers had a new look offense this year, and we really weren't. That's a question mark. Going into week one, you really don't have a lot of film on them. They got some new personnel. We really didn't know what to expect. But, man, they they looked good. They looked ready to go in week one with this new offense. They had racked up 466 total yards, 307 on the ground. It was a, a run, triple option kind of attack. In, the, in years past, now it's more of a run-heavy coming out of the shotgun. The Cavaliers' Brady Romagnoli finished with 23 carries, 172 yards, 7.5 yards per carry, two rushing touchdowns. So, you know, credit to this Cavalier team. They came out and, you know, we had some questions about how ready they'd be. They looked ready. They looked ready to go. And, and on the United Township side of things, just – it was another. It was another tough game. You know, it was tough week one. Yeah, and you know, too, with 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 Friday night, and this was this was true of a lot of teams, and uh, and th- this might be, it might sound repetitive throughout the show. It was really hot on Friday, 
it was really, really muggy on Friday. Um, you, you saw a lot of players go down with, with injuries, with cramping, um, just, you know, generally just being uncomfortable, mixing that all in with your week one jitters, mental mistakes, things like that. So um, we're going to talk a little bit about that. And, and UT was, was kind of susceptible to that. But I liked what I saw from UT in this game, uh, you know, despite the score. They, they looked like they had more fight than in years past. Certainly you saw that. They, they cut the deficit midway through the third. Um, they had a handful of clutch plays throughout the night on offense, defense, and special teams. Um, but, you know, as it, as it has in years past, injury bug kind of crept up on the Panthers here. Certainly, most notably, three-year starter Matthew Kelly goes down. He was on defense at the time. Awkward landing on a tackle hurt his non-throwing shoulder. Coach Nick Welsh, he didn't play the rest of the game. Uh, Coach Nick Welsh uh, was quoted saying that we don't believe it's something that should be season-ending. That is the good news. Uh, we, we won't speculate on, on the severity or, or what uh, 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 the condition is, but based on that quote alone, that's good news. But, you know, uh, again, you saw things from UT that you hadn't seen in years past, so that gives me um, a little bit of confidence that they will be better than what they were last year. They, they have a great opportunity here in week two to get a win. Um, but, again, they're going to be a little bit, maybe of influx in offense with a new quarterback coming in playing, but um, yeah, for, for LP to get a win here, their offense did look good. Uh, Ravignoli, short little guy, <laughs> you know, um, but just really ran the rock pretty well. So, um, but again, I like what I saw from UT despite the loss. Yeah. I, you know, obviously hoping for the best for Matthew Kelly. We talked a lot about him, you know, he's, he's a piece that, you know, United Township wants on the field. So Hopefully, um, you know, precautionary to take him out in that game and, you know, try to get him back sooner than later. You know, ultimately this, you know, this feels like another letdown for this Panther team that we're just, we're waiting for that, you know, that big win. We're waiting for that big moment. And I, you know, I was, I was hoping this would be kind of that, you know, momentum to start the season. It didn't happen. But like you said, they have a chance to win in week two. We'll talk about that game in a minute when we get into that. But um Hopefully they can bounce back here, get to one and one, and then kind of hit that, you know, get that focus and get going. So um, let's move down the way. Dunlap gets the big win over Galesburg, 53-14. Overall, tough night for the Silver Streaks against a really good Dunlap squad. But Mitch, you like some of what you saw here from, from the Silver Streaks, even in, even in kind of a bad loss. Yeah, I, I was certainly impressed with Gino Williams. I think that they'll have the opportunity to uh, do do some nice things on the on the on the offensive side of the ball. Like you said, Dunlap is a really really good team. I one highlight that I saw on their end, um, it was it was kind of a 50-50 ball thrown into the end zone. A Galesburg defender actually tips the ball, and the Dunlap receiver is on his back, laying on the ground, and it just falls right into his lap. Oh, it was geez. down. It was down to. It was down to one. It was really close to being a touchdown. But you know, breaks like that, what can you do? So um, tough start for Galesburg. But but again, liked what I saw from Gina Williams. Um, they they've got a a week, uh, an opportunity this week to get a win. I think so. Um, again, a, a week one result that I'm not going to take a, a lot of stock in. Um, but I, I do want to see a little bit more production from the Silver Streaks in week two. Yeah, they have a chance to grab a win in week two as well. We'll talk about that in a second. Let's get into Geneseo. Gets the 56 to nothing win over Chicago Comer. 
This is the third consecutive year the Green Machine have blown out the Catamounts. A.J. Weller in complete control of this offense. He scored through the air and on the ground, including a 67-yard read option keeper. You know, the three-headed monster, Weller, Luke Johnson, Jerron Neal, all found the end zone. But Mitch, it was the offensive line getting some shout-out from Coach Big Pete. Yeah, uh, the deep dish football, uh, what do they call it, the Hogs of the Night yeah, award yeah. for that offensive line. So that's a that's a prestigious award if I've ever heard one. So, <laughs> um, yeah, you, you said it the best. A.J. A. Weller, the, the, the score had great highlights of this game. Shout out Dan Pearson for shooting these. Um, they, they just looked really good. And I know that, the, again, like you said, this is the third straight year that they've kind of done this against uh, against Comer Noble, but still, you can tell that Geneseo is super athletic. Luke Johnson is a problem to to defend. So, um, and, and in the end, a, a week one victory, pretty much the norm for Geneseo. They've won 50. This is a stockpile gold, by the way, our first of the night. Okay. That Geneseo has won, Geneseo has won 57 of their last 61 season openers, including 35 and three in home openers that is remarkable one that he knows that stat and also that right. the geneseo has put up that kind of you know kind of yeah. record that's incredible right. so ring that ring that bell that's that's right that's exactly right get that victory bell ringing in geneseo did you, did you see they were all white at home oh wow okay no yeah i don't i don't know if that's because comer noble only has one set of jerseys again i don't i don't know yeah, maybe this is just something Genesio wanted to do. I have no idea, but yeah, all all white at home. It was a cool look. There you go. Yeah, they've started doing all white, obviously on the road. The past couple years, I think, has kind of been a new look for them. But uh, all right, very cool. Do they, do they ever go yellow lid, green top, white pant at home? I don't know that I've ever seen that. No, I don't think I would want to. I'm just curious. <laughs> okay, just, there you go. It, it, and that's, it might look okay, but Geneseo's uniform is just so classic. I don't want to screw it up. You know what I mean? Yeah. I want to say at one time back in the 90s, and Dan Pearson would be the authority on this, I think for a little while, a couple years, they wore – they had green pants that they would wear once in a while. So they would be yellow lid and then green on green. familiar. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't very long but because traditionally they've always had the yellow, you know, the yellow pants. Yeah. But um, – Geneseo, give them credit. They they keep very consistent when it comes to the the striping and obviously the yeah. you know the uniform combo. It's you know they were one of our you know clear cut you know favorites in the uniform matchups back when we did those. Well, and and, and just kind of circling back to Geneseo as a whole, this was a team that we talked about maybe being a dark horse in the conference, right? This was a yep. perfect start for them. Yep. Um, Gray's Lake Central next week, which. I can't remember if they lost close or won close last year. I think they, I don't want to, I don't want to say, but I do think that's a winnable game for them too to be two and zero heading into Western Big Six play. Yeah, I completely agree. So speaking of another team that we think is you know potentially up there, a dark horse to win the conference, Moline Maroons. They're the defending conference champions. They get the win on the road at Glenbard North, seventeen twelve. A fourth quarter comeback win for the Maroons. They knock off Glenbard North. They trailed 12-10 in the fourth quarter. The Maroons went to the air. Drew Phelps finds Xander Ely for a 20-yard touchdown to take the lead in the fourth quarter. 
Mitch, I went back and watched a little bit of this replay on NFHS. And man, I love, I love the play call. So they had really been really tight. We're not spreading out any wide receivers. They were just pounding the ball, right? Just a lot of ground and pound, getting yardage through, you know, you know, using their running backs. And then they get into this situation where they have the ball on the 20-yard line. They put Xander Ely out as a wide receiver. He's got a one-on-one matchup. And Drew Phelps, hey, do the kids say drops a dime? Is that the phrase? I think so, yeah. Yeah, there you go. We're cool. We're hip. Drew yeah. Phelps drops the perfect pass to Xander Ely in one-on-one coverage. It just felt like the perfect play call. Like, they had really been going on the ground and then they just stretch him out far enough to kind of catch him off guard. Great play call, great execution. That gives them the lead, and they and they hold on to it, 17-12. Yeah, Glenmore got the ball back late in this game, but uh, the Maroon defense that we talked about a lot and we're, we're high on were able to force a turnover on downs with under three to play, um, and Molina was able to, to run out the clock there. But that defensive unit was, was led by James Solis, who had 16 total tackles, one of three Maroon defenders who finished in double-digit tackles alongside Aiden Verkutrin and Xander Ely, as mentioned. So I hope I, I pronounced Aiden your, your last name correctly. So um, as as tight as this game was, you want a defensive unit that can that can keep your opponent out of the end zone. Uh, this, this unit definitely did that on Friday. Yeah, great effort on both sides of the ball. You look at Pablo Perez led the rushing attack with 111 yards on 20 carries. Colin Fredrickson had 54 yards and a first half touchdown. How about this stat, Mitch? Moline 11 and one in their last 12 road games. That that's a good program if you're winning that many games on the road. That's that's well, a sign of a is, great program. Would that one be the the playoff loss last year that was like four overtimes? I would guess so. Yeah. So, you know, you're talking about almost 12 straight road wins for Moline. So, yep. um, yeah, really, really impressive. And, and coach Morrissey, you know, we, we talked to him a little bit after the, after the game on Saturday, he said it was a very, very physical game with, with Glenn Bard. They were very uh, size wise. Glenn Bard was a big team, but it, it speaks to the character of this Maroon team, this 2023 Maroon team to be able to kind of overcome being down a couple times in the game hanging in there in the fourth quarter wants to see a little bit more protection of the football. I think that's going to be a repeated line probably throughout this episode too. <laughs> yeah. Um, and maybe to shore up some things on defense, but nonetheless, a great win here for Moline. We talked about how their, their start of the year is pretty tough. Um, they, they had this game against Glenbard. They played Bennett this week. So great start here for Moline, a much a needed win that again, at the end of the year could come back as one that you think, thank goodness we won that one. Yep. Well, speaking of great starts, how about Quincy in the crosstown rivalry yeah. against Quincy Notre Dame? They get the win 52 to 13. Mitch, stop me if you've heard this before. Braden Little completed 14 of 21 passes, 303 yards, five touchdowns. That that's a candidate for our uh for our Matthewson's mini helmets player of the week. Yeah, no no kid. I mean, that's and and again, I I, I He's one that's almost like we we expect that we expect those type of numbers from. But I was able to watch this game um, and watch the Quincy offense, and it's just it's everything that we advertised. Um, it, it's Braden Little running the show. It's it's 
uh, Jareus Rice at running back. It's four receivers that you could, you know, you have to somehow defend week in and week out. Um, this week was led by Tyco Hammers, who had five catches for 164 yards. You're going to see these type of stats every single week from Quincy until until a defense can somehow figure out how to shut that down. Um, uh, reading uh, Shucks recap of this one, he, he was really big on highlighting Rico Clay, who had two interceptions. One was a pick six. One, he is either he tripped or got tackled at the five. So he almost had two pick sixes in this game. So oh, man. This, was a complete, this was a complete uh, win for Quincy in a rivalry game. Certainly they're a bigger school than, than Quincy Notre Dame. Typically that doesn't matter in a, in a rivalry game like this, but um, every unit for the Blue Devils was, was clicking exactly what they needed to do to live up to the expectations that we have for them this year. Yeah, I still, we talked about it on the Instant Reacts podcast, which I encourage everyone to go out and listen to that. It's in our, it's in our podcast feed. It's in our archives. We record that every week on Friday night after the game action is over. Some weeks we'll be at the score. I'll be talking to the guys and gal Camille from the score. Some weeks, Mitch, maybe you and, uh, you know, Kyle can jump on with me and we can do an Instant Reacts. We'll, we'll kind of keep it uh, rotating. But anyway, we talked about it on the, uh, the instant reacts that this Quincy Notre Dame team is still going to, I think it's still going to be a good football team. They're going to end the season with a good record. Now, Mitch, my question to you is maybe like, can we like adopt Quincy Notre Dame kind of follow them throughout the year? Just every week, just occasionally check in, see their score, see how they did. If we get some info, that's great. Yeah. I think, I think if we don't do that, that they're going to sneak up on us in you know, it, it come playoff time. So yeah. I think it would be wise to, to kind of keep tabs on them, right? We'll need some, we'll need some help from Shuck um, and, and all the guys down there in the Quincy area. But, um, you know, I, I think their quarterback play is really good. Uh, again, when, when you're going up against a much bigger school and a team like Quincy, who is as good as they are, um, that it doesn't speak to anything to how Quincy Notre Dame is going to be this year. So, yeah, I think that's a great idea that we keep, uh, keep tabs on them from a distance. Yeah, we'll just kind of see, you know, week to week, see how they're doing. We'll check in. So, yeah, moving down the way, Minooka gets the 42-7 to win over Rock Island. A tough start for the Fritz Deodone era for the Rocks. They fumble on the first play of the game, recovered by Minooka. I mean, Minooka's a playoff team last season. They've been really good for the past several seasons. They quickly turned it into a 6-0 advantage there. Then it was 19-7 at halftime. It just kind of got away from the Rocks. You know, the Rocks' one lone score, Amari Overton touchdown catch from JV and Clark Pugh. So you like that that connection has been established. But, you know, just kind of a kind of a rough start for the Rocks. It's a tough test, and, it you know, it was a tough night. Yeah, and, and unfortunately for, for Rock Island, they, they kind of have to get this loss out of their system because now they got Dunlop coming in in week two. Um or excuse me, they go to the road to Dunlap here in week two. So not an easy start for, for Coach Fritz here. But um, uh, again, week one, Manuka is a very, very good team. We know that Rock Island's kind of going through some scheme changes. So how quickly, though, can they kind of get up to speed with all that remains the question. Yep. Let's keep moving down. The last game we have to cover in the Western Big Six from week one, Metamora went on the road. This is a game that we felt like Maybe it was the most intriguing, you know, game of the week for the Western Big Six. Metamora gets the gets the home win over Sterling, 28-17. Mitch, you found this stat from the Peoria Journal Star. Give give us this uh give us give us this number. 
Yeah, so before I go there, this was also a rematch of, I think it was either regional or sectional. And again, I'm going to screw it up. It was either a regional or a sectional, either a semifinal or a final, something like that, uh, from basketball. It was a game. Metamore was, <laughs> was a top-ranked team um, in, I think they're in 3A in basketball. Okay. Um, and, like, J.P. Schilling had 32 points in the game, and I think Metamore won by three. So this just I, – I, when I was looking for some research on, on Metamore, I found that, that these two had a classic basketball game last year. But okay. this is a football podcast. Moving forward. Yes. Uh, so from the Pure Original Star, I saw that according to Metamore's longtime statistician, Alex Staub, this is the Redbirds' first win over a state-ranked team in 2,484 days, which is wow. not good at math, like eight years, I guess. I was, was going yeah, to ask how, if we had to figure out how many years that is. But yeah, yeah, wow. I mean, Metamore is a program that, you know, I think right. I hold in pretty high regard. I think everybody does it. That one kind of surprises me. Yeah, brand new field there in Metamora too. It looked it looked really really nice from the video that I saw. Yeah, turf down in Metamora. They've always had grass traditionally. So, yeah. um, I talked a little bit to uh, Coach Schlemmer over the weekend. He gave a lot of credit to Metamora for playing a great game, but he mentioned that on top of this Sterling team maybe not having as much experience returning as they've had in past years, he said they were dealing with some injuries throughout the week, and then. Uh, even more, a couple more injuries on Friday night that kind of kept some guys out of the out of the lineup. Not sure how significant they are, how long term. He didn't make it seem like they were, you know, massive like season long type injuries, but little things yeah. that were keeping guys out. He does, you know, Coach Slemmer feels like as the weeks progress, this team will get better. The Sterling team will get better. They have a tough test in week two, though. I mean, they they don't have much time to you know to sit and look back at this one. They got to focus on Wheaton St. Francis now. Yeah, it looked like from the little bit I saw from this game that 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 Golden Warrior de- defensive unit was on the field a lot on a hot night. Injuries might be might have been messing with depth a little bit too. So, um, yeah, ho- hopefully that unit and, and the team in general just recovers from this game. Like you said, it's it's a tough one here with Wheaton St. Francis. So, um, but. I, I will take uh, Coach Slummer's words that that he uh, he thinks they're going to improve. I, I'd absolutely believe that with with the the history that we've always covered with Sterling. Yep, and we do have a little clarity before we wrap up Sterling. We do have a little clarity on uh, Joseph Holcomb is going to be the quarterback for the most part. I yes, believe he'll I be it. Yep, he'll be he was, a quarterback, yeah, and then Letter Gerber will be more of a running back, and then you have. Andre Claver, I asked where he fits in, and Coach Slemmer said he'll be everywhere. So that's that's always yeah, a nice athlete saw, to have. I saw a couple of yeah, I saw a couple of his runs in the, in the little bit that I saw this game. But yeah, I didn't I did notice they were playing Holcomb at quarterback. So we we were expecting not that. So I don't know when that change came through, but Holcomb apparently ended up winning that three man race. Yep. Well, let's move into the Western Big Six matchups in Week Two. We mentioned a few of them: United Township. We'll be hosting Chicago Noble Muchen. Galesburg will be on the road at Bartonville Limestone. Geneseo will be taking on Grays Lake Central. Moline will be playing Bennett Academy. Quincy will go on the road to Alton. Rock Island will be at Dunlap. And Sterling will be hosting Wheaton St. Francis. So again, the Western Big Six has a few weeks of non-conference games. 
What's a matchup here that you look at? I think I think Moline intrigues me the most, right? Yep. Can they can they ride the momentum against a good Bennett Academy team to pick up a very crucial week or sorry second win of the season? Um, you know, but again, looking at at teams like UT Galesburg, Rock Island, Sterling, where is your improvement from week one to week two? I really want to see that. Um, I, I think there's winnable games here, certainly with UT. Uh, I don't know much about Bartonville Limestone. Um, but uh, again, how how good can can Sterling and Rock Island recover from tough losses when they have tough teams coming in in week two? Yeah, well, you mentioned so Bartonville Limestone lost to Mount Zion in week one, 42 to six. Last year, Limestone was 0 and 9. So there's an opportunity here. I, I mean, I, I believe in Galesburg's skill positions. I think it is a matter of. Can they get enough protection? Do they have enough around those guys to really make something happen? This seems like an opportunity here in week two for Galesburg. Also, like yeah, you mentioned, they, you know, go ahead. And these are the games too. If if you if if from our perspective anyway that they're winnable, right? I want to make sure I want to see teams not making mental mistakes, right? If it's an easier opponent, I I I, I want to see teams that um, aren't having to waste timeouts, aren't having uh, penalties on the line aren't having false starts things like that the little things that can add up so quickly in bigger games want to see those types of things showing up and i'm sure the coaches would echo that same type of sentiment so this is your opportunity right before you get into western big six play to fix any sort of small mistakes that you might have made in week one yep yep that's a great point um i'm i'm interested to see how that moline bennett academy game plays out i mean Man, Rock Island, that that's tough. They they go on the road to Manuka. Now they go on the road to Dunlap. Two programs that seem really good, and you got to travel to their place. That that's a tough start to the season. See if Rock Island can get any positive momentum, steal a win at Dunlap. Sterling will be back at home. That's a tough Wheaton St. Francis team. So they, you know, I'm sure that that coaching staff and those players are, you know trying to continually work to improve and hopefully they're back to a little more full strength. See if they can get moving in the right direction. Like John Schlemmer mentioned, he feels like, you know, they'll get going, they'll get better throughout the season. Can they make big steps this week against a really good team? And that, that Grays Lake central game against Geneseo, like you said, when we were talking about them in the, in the week one recap, man, that would be huge for Geneseo to go two and oh, to be looking at, you know, a two and zero start as they as they look down the way into eventually, you know, another week or two from Western Big Six play. Yeah, because that that would lead into the Moline game in Week Three, and I think that that was, yep, a game that that we all talked about on the on the Western Big Six preview as who would be. I think we said second in the conference this year behind Quincy. So yeah, if it shakes out that way, but yeah. Um, just again, adding to the the Moline. Can you continue the momentum because you got Geneseo um, coming into town? That one's in Moline in Week Three. So, yeah, looking for both of those teams to play well this week because that Week Three matchup is pivotal. Yeah. Well, Mitch, before we move into the Three Rivers Athletic Conference, let's give a quick shout out to QCSportsNet.com. You can find them at QCSportsNet on X or on Twitter, however you want to call it. They'll be Twitter. doing live. <laughs> there you go. They will be doing uh, live play-by-play. You can stream it 
on QCSportsNet.com. They'll have the Moline-Bennett Academy game. They'll also have Rock Island at Dunlap, and they'll have United Township at Chicago Mutant. They do a great job of giving local coverage, local live stream broadcasts to our Western Big Six teams. So I encourage anyone to go out and uh, you know check those out. We should mention Chicago Mutant and United Township will be on Saturday at 12.45 for that broadcast. The other two will be Friday night at 7.15. So really great job they do. We want to make sure to support the games that they're covering. So, Mitch, are we ready? Are we ready for the Three Rivers Athletic Conference? Yeah. Well, talked about here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. If we're talking Three Rivers, man, I want to start with Morrison Mendota. 54 to nothing, Morrison. All Mustangs all the time on Friday night. They led 34 to nothing after the first half. Mitch, I think you were watching a little bit of this game. And, you know, it's it's your alma mater. You're, you're a proud Morrison Mustang. I'll let you take this one. Yeah, I, I did. I, I watched a lot of this. Um, the first half, anyway, because truth be told, it, there wasn't much to see after that. But uh, Morrison scored on the very first play from scrimmage. And we... And again, you you talked about it in your your viewpoints. We we knew that we knew going in that this team had speed. We knew that this team had state track medalists on this team. Four hundred and thirty one yards on thirty three rushes in this game. That's thirteen yards a clip. They were one of one passing for a sixty seven yard touchdown. Yeah, there you go. So four hundred ninety eight yards of total offense in essentially the first three quarters. Um, and it was, it was the names that, that we expected. Brady Anderson, four rushes for 125 yards and two TDs. Carson Strading, who the uh, broadcast team kept calling sauce. So that must be no. a nickname. Um, hey, good. That's, sauce that's great intel. Great stuff. Yeah. Uh, 110 yards on six carries with a TD. Chase Newman had 51. Um, he had a 30 yard rushing TD and also had a, a 47 yard pick six that was in the first quarter. So yeah, for, for coach Nate Vandermine in his first game, th- this is a Mendota team that we thought was going to put up points. I, I mean, they, they put yeah. up a lot of points last year. We knew that their defense was liable. Well, that was what we I was just going to say. A, yeah. That they were in a lot of shootouts last year. So it, it does surprise me that Morrison scored so easily. I think I was more surprised that Morrison's defense didn't let Mendota do a thing. Maybe that's the most impressive thing here is we talk so much about the 54 to nothing score, but maybe it's the Morrison defense, the speed yeah. on the defensive side of the ball that was able to really control and shut down this Mendota offense. I, I, maybe that's what stands out to me most here when you walk away with this one. Yeah, if if you had watched the game, it, it just again they they just didn't let uh, Casey Randolph get into any sort of rhythm. None of their receiver. I, I don't know. I don't even have their stats, but it, it I can tell you from memory they they won't look that great. So uh, again, I, I think, and we'll talk about this more here in a little bit. We'll learn more about Morrison in week two, but. Um, yeah, we know what they're capable of now, and it, it, it probably exceeds what we thought. We knew what they had, but now we can see what they can do. So really looking forward to Morrison this year. I, I had them, I think I said six and three. 
Um, still feel pretty good about that with their schedule, maybe even a seven and two type of year. But if they play like this, they could be creeping into eight um, type of wins. So not to get ahead of, not to put the card in front of the Mustang here, but um, <laughs> you know, I I really liked what I saw from Morrison. Not from a completely unbiased opinion, I really liked what I saw from Morrison here on Friday. Do you have any like text thread with old like football buddies about Morrison here? Are, I mean, are, are there is there talk? Is there excitement? No, I, I don't. I, we we'd have to talk to to our friends in Morrison just that are 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 more there. Yeah. Um. I, I'll tell you, the EM Bud Cole Field looks great. Um. They've got new lights there. Uh. They nice. got new bleachers there. So the the stadium looked really good. Um. So it, maybe it was a look good, feel good type of thing for the Mustangs there on Friday. So. It was all working. It was all clicking on, uh, on on the field that night. New lights at Morrison really excites me because I'll be honest, shooting video at, at Bud Cole Field over the years, it's been weird yeah. lighting and it's always been kind of dark. And it just, yep. it's, you know, to get real technical, it's been hard to get a good white balance, to get a good, right. you know, a, 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 a good flat line of what, what color needs to be what color, you know? So, so the, the reds look red and the blues look blue and vice versa. Right. Like it's always been tough. So new lighting excites me out there. I'll say that. Yeah. New PA system too, which is probably the first time they've had a good PA system. <laughs> I, they didn't have one when I was there. So <laughs> okay, uh, yeah, they're all, they're, they've got it all going there in Morrison. So great win here for the Mustangs. We'll get into week two in a minute, but yep. uh, again, looking forward to them going forward. All right, let's get to Bureau Valley. Gets the 26-7 win over Erie Prophetstown. The Storm pick up their first win on the road. They pull away in the second half of this one after being tied at halftime. Elijah Endress, a name we talked about in the preseason, three touchdowns on the night. Bryce Helms showed some real flashes at quarterback. He scored through the air and on the ground. Mitch, were you able to get some eyes on this one? Did you watch a little bit of this one on Friday? Yeah, I was able to watch. Unfortunately, it was the first half. So as you just said, it was tied to halftime. So a bit of a battle there in the first half before BV really pulled away with a couple scores in the second. But like you mentioned, Eliza Endress, huge night for them. Bryce Helms, the guy that you've been high on um, going into his his second season there with the Storm. So this was a good win. We We were anticipating this to be a good game that we thought would kind of set the tone for either team. We knew that BV had players coming back. We knew the EP maybe going through, through some changes with, with new coaching, but uh, for BV to, to step on the field, get this win great for them moving forward. Yeah. And on the flip side, Erie Prophetstown showed some flashes, right? Jeremiah Cochaver had good command of the offense. He led a 92 yard scoring drive and later had an 84 yard touchdown pass that was called back. So Unfortunately, it didn't count for anything, but at least it was something. I think that was in the second quarter. So you're talking about something that could have flipped the script of the game. Yeah. Um, but, but nonetheless, again, the EP showed that they have those type of playmakers there, that they can they can have some offense. So, um, But we're, we're excited about what BV can do this year. So um, hopefully EP uh, can move forward from this. And for BV, now that you've won one, right, can you get your second one? I, I who do they play this week? We'll talk about it in a minute. But BV plays Mammoth Roseville, a team coming off of a loss. So can BV continue to make incremental in, incremental improvements from last year? This was a good first start. Yep, absolutely. Another good game in the Three Rivers in Week 1. Orion gets the 20-14 to win over Spring Valley Hall. 
Orion moves to 1-0 for the eighth time in the last nine years. And that adds to a perfect all-time record against Spring Valley Hall. They're 8-0 now. They've never lost to Hall. Yeah. So good start for the Chargers. Yeah. Um, again, a game that we, we talked about, we were intrigued by for various reasons. We wanted to see what, what Kale Filler would look like in his second season at the helm. We wanted to see what Hall would look like in the post-Macrosetich era. And this was a great game. I, I caught some of this game on NFHS. I, I saw um, it was a Hall touchdown by uh, uh, Braden Curran. It was a 56-yard touchdown right down the sideline. A fast guy. So maybe they have, you know, uh, a new Resetich type of player in him. But um, you might you know, say you might say maybe it's the return of the Mac. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> how many? How many? How many kids listening to this show know what song that is? Have any idea what that is? I, uh, it would be my walk. If I was a baseball player, that'd be my walk-up song. There you but, go. Okay. Uh, so Kale, Kale had a good night. Um, you know, they got on the board first. He connected with Jake Brambridge for a 22-yard touchdown, got him up to seven nothing. That was when Hall responded with their long touchdown pass. But um, the teams kind of went back and forth there in the second quarter. Uh, 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 Filler and Bainbridge connected again in the second quarter. Um, on the night, Kale was had 150 yards passing and two touchdowns, uh, both to Bainbridge. Bainbridge had 100 yards receiving. So yeah. um, this was a great start for Orion, a great week one win. Again, nothing that they're not used to winning uh, the week one for the eighth time in the last nine years. But again, we were intrigued by this game. Great win for Orion. Yeah, well, I think we said kind of going into this one that this was one of those, you know, I call them X-Factor games, right? It's a, you know, maybe a toss-up game. Hall, you know, Orion was at home, so I think that favored them, and they come away with the win here, and I think it goes a long way in them making that march back to the playoffs. You know, that's this is an Orion team that's been to the playoffs a lot over the years, and they kind of fell off a little bit. And, they, you know, they've had some years, the, the last couple, where they haven't made the playoffs. This is a big step in the right direction. And I, I'm interested. I'm intrigued by the filler to Bainbridge connection there. They've established themselves really well. Talking to Chip Filler over the weekend, you know, he mentioned that, you know, Kale Filler as a sophomore, he's the, the, the straw that stirs the drink, right, on the offense for Orion. So as he goes, when he's making plays, this offense is rolling. So this is a good yep. start for them. Uh, Caden Edmonds was able to punch one in from two yards out. That was in the, after a scoreless third quarter, that would be the only touchdown in the second half. So good to see them yep. being able to punch one in on the ground there with Edmonds, a, a name I'm sure we'll talk about a lot this year. Overall, head coach Chip Filler likes what he saw in week one, says like a lot of teams, they need to improve their discipline and maybe their toughness a little bit. But overall, yep. if you're getting a win in week one, it's a close game. You're coming away with a win. That That's a great start. Yeah, and on the flip side for Hall, uh, Gianni Garini played really well as, as the new quarterback for Hall. He scored um, the second touchdown of the night for, for Hall. It was a 15-yard QB keeper. That put them ahead at the break. Um, and, and Coach Steeman said he thought his team did a good job defensively. This is a good Orient offense. So we, we thought that Hall's defense was going to be better this year. I think they will be, um, despite the loss – they were, it was indicative of that in week one, but um, wants to clean up the mental mistakes that they had a lot of false starts. 
this this was this is how Orient won, I think. Hall had the ball inside the twenty three times and didn't score. Wow. So, yeah. A, a big credit to to Orient's defense. Uh, the war pig this week was, was Nolan Buchan. Buchan, yeah, yep. Sorry if I'm if I'm butchering that name, but uh, junior safety linebacker, ten tackles, two tackles for loss. So again, when your opponent is in inside the red zone three times and they don't score, you're going to win a lot of ball games that way. So um, all, all we talk a lot about uh, filler and Bainbridge, but shout out to this Charger defensive unit for keeping Hall out of the end zone in the second half. Well, how about we had the Hogs in Geneseo. Now we got the War Pig in Orion. I love it. So, yeah, yeah. shout out, shout out to Nolan having a huge game and a huge impact. You know, to grab this. What other other swine awards can we can we figure out here this week? (laughs) Yeah. All right, let's keep going here. Princeton gets the forty to nothing win over Monmouth Roseville. This Princeton team of twenty twenty three, you know kind of looks same old, same old for, you know, for what we've seen year in and year out. They shut out the Titans, like we said, 40 to nothing. Mitch, you mentioned him off the top of the show. Sophomore Casey Etheridge, outstanding debut, rushing for 234 yards, four scores on to pace the Tigers. I mean, what a way to burst on the scene here. Yeah, and uh, th- this was some good info from uh, the post-game interview and write-up from uh, Kevin Hieronymus that Coach Burson said he always knew what they had in Etheridge, but other teams didn't know. Certainly sophomore, they hadn't seen him on film yet. Um, and, and Etheridge gave the credit to his offensive line, Bennett Williams, the whole crew there for that production. Um, new Tiger quarterback Will Lott had two touchdown passes. So, you know, um, again – it, it's the Princeton of old. What's what's new is old, right? Um, defensively, their fourth straight road shutout. Uh, they moved to 18-3 in their last 21 games on the road. So, you know, outstanding game from Princeton here. Certainly not the way that Monmouth Rosa wanted to start. There will be plenty of opportunities um, now that Princeton is off the schedule for them to, to, <laughs> to play well. And again, get some wins on their schedule. I think they will get a handful of wins this season. So, but to have a new weapon in Princeton, Casey Etheridge, exciting to see, uh, and exciting to see what he can do this year behind uh, that offensive line that he credited. Yeah, very exciting to see what he can do the rest of the year. But Mitch, before we get into the rest of the year, we got to make some history here on the podcast. It's the big announcement. It's time. We are here to congratulate Casey Etheridge. He is our first ever. Matthewson's Mini Helmets Player of the Week on View from the West. So congratulations to Casey. You got a you got a View from the West Mini Helmet with your name, your team, your stats on its way to Princeton. Mitch, if if a player, if a team, a player, anybody is looking for the perfect gift for your high school football player, check out Matthewson's Mini Helmets. They offer totally custom mini helmets and decals for your school. You can find them on Facebook or on Twitter. We love this partnership. It's exciting. And, and Casey has certainly earned it here in week one. Yeah, this this will be a lot of fun. I, I've, I talked to Cody this week uh, for a little bit of a side project that I'm working on uh, with with our kids' school here. So um, to, to see what this helmet's going to look like, it's going to be awesome. It's going to a, a really great recipient here in, in Casey Etheridge for his performance. So, yeah, really looking forward to doing this promotion all, all season. Yep, absolutely. All right, well, a couple more games here. 
Three more games here in the Three Rivers. Let's talk Newman and Rock Ridge. Mitch, this was a game I was at for a majority of it. Newman gets the 12-7 win over Rock Ridge. Now, Mitch, I say I was there, but yet Newman scored twice, and I didn't see either one of them. So, yep. you know, like I said, kind of a, a clunky week one for me, but I'll, 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 work, I'll work on it. I'll get over it. And, Mitch, two great defenses on display here. That's the takeaway yep. from this game. Overall, like I said, it was a bizarre game. Newman scores in the first minute of the game. And they don't score again until the last five seconds of the game. And they come away with a 12 to seven win. I don't know how much of this one you saw, but it was, it was kind of wild. Yeah. I, I didn't see, I didn't see a lot of it, um, but I did connect with, with head coach Mike LeMay um, on Saturday. Uh, we, we've talked about it before him and I competed against one another in high school at Morrison and Newman. Uh, we went to Ambrose together uh, where he played football. So it was great to connect with him and really just talk shop. But um, he couldn't have been more ecstatic. And he he did send me a video that uh, <laughs> I will put out to the masses. I, I, I kind of want to put it out if, there, though. Yeah, I can't remember if, if Coach LeMay played baseball or not. But if he if he didn't, uh, you you wouldn't be able to tell because on that pick six, uh, and I didn't I didn't know this at the time when I the first time I saw this video, if if you Certainly you're watching the action on the field, but out of your periphery, you can see a coach just sprinting alongside. And at the last second, just kind of gets his feet out from underneath him and takes a spill. And <laughs> my, my verbatim text was, I hope that's not you. And he said, it is. So um, again, it, you'd love to see that type of excitement. It's, it's a big play in a big game in week one. Um, but, but overall, Coach Smith was ecstatic with his team's effort. We talked about we wanted to see Newman be more consistent on offense. Um, they've got a sophomore quarterback in Evan Bushman this year um, that really did a lot of good things on on Friday. And, and Coach LeMay talked about how really the only thing this offense didn't do was score. He was happy with how they moved the ball. They just couldn't get it into the end zone. So certainly you want to be able to finish those drives, but – it's also an encouraging start for, for this Newman offense. So, um, you know, overall, a great program win for Newman, who has a trophy cases of, of you know, uh, huge wins. But for, for what Newman is trying to do in Michael May's second season to come up with the upset on paper, on paper, um, uh, against a really, really good Rock Ridge team, this was an excellent start. Yeah, make sure we get his name in there. Maybe you already said it, but Newman's Brady Grennan came up with the pick six. And Mitch, I got to tell you, after you sent me the video, I showed I showed my kids tonight the the video, and they 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 thought Coach Lemay's performance was hysterical. They could not stop laughing at you know the coach taking a spill on the sideline. So sorry, hey, Coach, they, they but they got a big thrill out of it. They got a really good baseball team there at Newman. Maybe the secret has been Coach LeMay <laughs> teaching how to slide. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. He recovered well. He, he was he was up. He was ready to go. Oh, yeah. So, yep. yeah. But so it was interesting because, like you said, um, sophomore uh, Evan Bushman for Newman and freshman quarterback Colin Schweigen for Rockridge. So two young quarterbacks going up against two really good defenses. That's what kind of stood out to me in this one. Rock Ridge, like Newman for a majority of the game, was 
They really could, they didn't have the big explosive play. They had a few, you know, Newman was here or there. Like you said, they were moving the ball a little bit. They couldn't punch it into the end zone. Rock Ridge could never really get consistently moving on offense, but there were flashes, right? You saw a huge touchdown pass. Schweigen caught Landon Wheatley in the second quarter. That was a great pitch and catch. They also connected on another big first down play. So I like that connection there. But overall, I think Rockridge is still trying to find their identity on offense. But ultimately, on defense, they really looked good. That defense will carry them a long way this season. And obviously, the same for Newman. We saw Newman's defense a year ago. That'll carry them as well. I think what speaks to Newman's improvements on offense, too, is that they got the ball. They were pinned on, like, the eight-yard line on this final drive. Yeah. Um, with And I, I don't I don't recall how much time was left when they got it. but It was drive, only a couple it, minutes, three, two or three minutes, something like that. Okay. Um, and I, I know that that drive included a fourth down pickup. So this Newman team just marched down the field in the absolute best time um, and, and ended up getting that that touchdown pass. It was, it was Evan Bushman connected with senior wide receiver Isaiah Williams. It was a three-yard touchdown pass with five seconds left to, to secure this game. So a great game. Um, two teams that I think we're going to be talking about a lot moving forward. Again, we, we, we talked up Rock Ridge a lot, and I think rightfully so. I think Newman said, hey, we're here too. I think both teams will have great defensive units, and we'll see if both teams can again. Newman scored on a pick six and scored one offensive touchdown. So can they build upon that? Coach LeMay, again, like what he saw from the offensive unit, now can they expand on that, score more, so they're not in this this uh, situation all that much? But again, that, that defensive unit for them is going to keep them in a lot of ball games and put them in a position to win. Yeah. Um, you know, Rock Ridge is a team, before we wrap up, Rock Ridge was a team that we were high on this year. And it'll be interesting to see kind of where they go from here. You know, obviously, Coach Sam Graves knows that, you know, they need to find a consistent offense to pair up with that defense. I think they'll get there. I think they have plenty of pieces. They'll get there. But there's, you know, there's some improvement that needs to be done. They don't have much rest this week. They go on the road to a tough test. We'll talk about that in a minute. Yeah. Speaking of improvement, the helmets in Rock Ridge. Okay. Yeah. The whole look. The the whole look. The new Rock Ridge has a completely new look this year. Yeah. Talk about it. Okay. I didn't. I didn't see it. So you okay. you were there. You have to. I've seen the helmet. I didn't see the uniform and the, the pants. So please give the listeners a visual here. So I well I was told we saw the helmet and it's it's a yep. gray a matte gray helmet with maroon face mask and it's got rocket script on it. But what's really interesting about the uniform is, is, um, you know, I believe it was Sam Graves who we were talking to um, during the week who had tweeted out the helmet picture and then said that he was inspired by Mike Leach, head coach, Mike, former um, head coach, Mike Leach at, at Mississippi State, who passed away this past offseason. Very tragic, very sad situation there. But he was always inspired by Mike Leach. We wanted to have uniforms that looked like Mississippi State. So, Mitch, if you're familiar with Mississippi State's, um, you know, their chest logo has that kind of like Mississippi with the state in kind of like a ribbon. That's what that Rock Ridge has that now. So it says Rock Ridge on top with the Rockets in the ribbon area. 
and then it's kind of the striping and the shoulders look the same as you know mississippi state so i it's a cool look and it all the gray and the maroon all matches well it's a good look yeah now, now, now privately we can say this now we 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 thought that Rock Ridge needed a refresh in the uniform department. So yeah. um, good, good to see that they, they went this route. Uh, look, looking forward to, to seeing it on the field. Cause again, I, I, I didn't see a lot of it. So you, you saw the details up front. Yeah. Yeah. Look, it looks good with the, the gray and the maroon. It's, it's a good, and I like the homage to Mississippi state. It's cool. It's a yep. unique look. So great. All right, Mitch, couple more games in the Three Rivers. This was a good one. This was a, a really good game between, again, two good football teams. Kiwani gets the win 28-21 over Sherrard. Brady Clark, quarterback for Kiwani, a name we talked about leading into the season, scored a pair of touchdowns on the ground as they get their first win, a road win, with new head coach Matthew Taylor. Alex Duarte also found the end zone, as did Ben Taylor. So good start for Kiwani. I still think there's a lot of potential here with this Sherrard team. Uh, Matt Randazzo was there covering the game for WQAD. He was really impressed with what he saw from both teams. And maybe, you know, maybe some differences. Kiwani was a little bit bigger. Sherrard looked, as we've talked about, athletic. They had a lot of speed, a lot of athleticism. I think both teams will win with those recipes. This one just went the way of Kiwani. Yeah, so, and certainly uh, that that's an intriguing game that we'll get into, that, that Sherrard-Newman game. I'm going to be intrigued to see how both teams do in week two. But, yeah, I was I was going to mention your what you just said about what, uh, what Dazzo's comments were about both of these teams looking completely different than they did last year. So uh, Brady Clark, a name that we've talked about a lot, um, uh, again, coming up clutch with, with a couple of scores. So good, good win for Kiwani here. Um, and, and again, not to, I think both teams are really going to be knocking on the door of the playoffs here. So good matchup here in, in week one. Uh, and this one goes to Kiwani. Yeah. couple of quick uniform notes from this game as well, Mitch. So Sherrard has new helmets this season. They've, they've switched from the block S to the tiger paw. So they had, they still have the maroon or sorry, the purple matte helmet. Yep. They had the block S in years past. They now go with the tiger paw on both sides. Looks good. Really pops on the helmet. Looks good. I believe they have new jerseys and pants that go with it. It all looks good. On the flip side, Kiwani also has a new helmet look, similar to what they've had in the past. You remember, they kind of had the unique look in the past couple yeah. years with the block K that was on the back of the helmet. Everything else on the helmet was blank, a black helmet with the orange K on the back, similar to what like Oregon does with the O. Yeah. Well, they've updated that. They've moved the K now to the right side of the helmet with the left side blank. Now, if I'm if I'm being if I'm being honest, I I want to see that K on both sides of the helmet, I think. Yeah, if you're if you're if you're going to change it, you know, go go all the way um yeah yeah i i liked again i'm not gonna speak ill uh to anything with what they're doing but i think i think we've talked about in the past our, our preference with helmets is not to do like what the steelers do or never to have anything on one side and not the other so yeah, yeah. if you're going to be unique with it i like because you don't see that very often where they kept it all in the back um 
yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I think my, my thought would be go go the logo on both sides or just keep it in the back, right? Right. I, I, I like I that. So. I think it was unique having that K in the back. But either way, either way, I will say I do love if for, for Kiwani as a program, keep a black helmet with a black face mask and that orange yeah. K that really pops. I do like that look. It, it is a yep. good, it's a good the good solid helmet look. And honestly, they wouldn't go wrong if they if they put the Boilermaker on there either. I think either way, it's a good look. So, yep. I, you good know, question. overall, the orange and the black is a, is a good color combo. They do it well. So, anyway, one more game, Mitch. It was Saturday. Dupo goes on the road. They come to Riverdale. They get the 41 to nothing win. So, a tough start for this Rams team that's back for the first time in two years in 11-man football. The Dupo is able to take advantage of six Riverdale turnovers. So not, not the ideal start for the Rams. But like I said, I think keep plugging away. Keep grinding week yeah. in and week out. I hope for the best for Coach Derricks and this Rams crew. It's tough. You know, it's a tough situation to be bouncing back from what they've done. I hope the hardest part, having to sit out, is behind them. Hopefully they can find some positive momentum here somewhere. Yeah, they're they're going to have these bumps in the road, but again, they're they're moving, right? They're, they're not stalled anymore. They're not they're not not having a program. So um, you're going to have games like this probably a lot this season. But again, we we love to see that the program is back, uh, the kids are back on the field. So we hope that that Coach Dierks keeps the keeps the spirits high there, and they keep working back to uh, to Riverdale teams of old. Yep, absolutely. All right, here we go. Week two, Kiwani. Going up against Erie Prophetstown, Bureau Valley facing Monmouth Roseville, Mendota going up against Orion, Morrison at Princeton. That's an interesting one. Riverdale at Spring Valley Hall. Newman will host Sherrard, and Rock Ridge goes on the road to Ridgeview, Lexington. So, couple games that stand out to me, but man, when you're talking three rivers, a three rivers game, it's a crossover. But man, that Morrison at Princeton game looks really intriguing after what Morrison did in week one. Yeah, you, you've certainly got a, a team full of speed against a team full of power. And so, you know, what's, you know, I, I, I hate to, to say that I don't think Morrison can hang with Princeton because I think that they, they proved that they have a recipe to do so. But I, I don't I just don't know that Princeton will allow it, right? I, I just don't know yeah. if if the holes that 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 Morrison had against Mendota will be there against Princeton. Certainly Morrison can bounce bounce to the outside. They've got the guys that can get to the outside. Princeton's not short on speed either, though. So as you mentioned, this game is a lot more intriguing now. Now that we saw what Morrison can do, or it, it puts a little bit more of a spotlight on that game to see how Princeton can respond. Um, and really to see how Morrison stacks up. Looking forward to that. That'll be on Tiger Central Live. You know I'll be tuned into that. I'm intrigued by, and I said it earlier, I'm really intrigued by Newman and Sherrard. Can can Newman continue to move forward? And as, as good as Sherrard looked in a loss, can they come back and get a win against a good Newman defensive unit? I think it'll go a long way for both teams. We expected Sherrard to be competing for a playoff spot. Newman as well. So which team can kind of take that next step? So I, th I think from a conference perspective, I think that game probably has the most 
on the line, I would say. Yeah, that that Sherrard offense, those athletes we've talked about going up against this Newman defense is really is really interesting. That one is on Saturday. Man, I hope that's uh I hope Newman does NFHS. I hope they do a live stream. I would love to watch that game. Otherwise, I think I'm I'm sure Ty Taylor will be there covering the game for WRMJ. So I could tune in. I'll tune in. Listen that way because I I really do see. I really do want to see how that game plays out. The other one, Ridge Rock Ridge going on the road to Ridgeview Lexington. So Ridgeview Lexington has been a very good program the last few years. They were a semifinalist last year. Were they a quarterfinalist? So they lost in week yeah, one. Yeah, one of. Yeah, one of those years they lost to Lee Wynn. I think that was two years ago. Two years ago in the semis. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Last year, I think. Last year, I don't know if they they might have been in the semis again. I can't remember exactly, but they were in the mix. They were several rounds deep into the playoffs again last year. They lost to Gibson City Melvin Sibley in week one, 41 13. So So, they did not have a good showing in week one. So. Yeah, I, I, I don't I don't know anything about what they bring back. I know in years past they had a really good rushing attack, so I, yep. I don't know. And, and and in the past couple of years, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, Gibson City hasn't really been that good. So, I, or at least not as good as maybe yeah. it used to be. Yep. I don't know. But yep. that, when I saw that result, that was surprising. So I don't know what Ridgeview has this year. Um, but more importantly, we, we want to see how Rock Ridge responds. We want to see that offense get a little bit more. We know what their defense can do. So I want to see if that offense can find that identity and and get something going, get those wheels going, get those rocket boosters going. You know what I'm saying? Um, I get it. Just to see. They, they've got the tools to do it. Freshman, um, freshman quarterback, lots of moving pieces. It was week one, but you got to get that out of your head and, and move forward. So it starts right here against a good uh, Ridgeview Lexington, Lexington team on the road. Yeah, it's a tough road test, but I do think, yeah, I think there's an opportunity here to grab a win on the road and then really head into the meteor season, you know, wiping out that Newman game, forget about it, move along. If you get this one here, then I think it really, you know, sets that momentum a little bit. You got, um, you know, Bureau Valley looking to grab another win. They go up against Monmouth Roseville. Kiwani, can they keep rolling against Erie Provincetown? Same thing with Orion. Can they keep rolling against a team in Mendota that really struggled in week one? So I think there's, you know, some opportunities there as well. All right, well, let's take a quick break and then we will jump into the Lincoln Land Conference. Of course, we'll follow that with the NUIC and eight-man football. We'll be right back. View from the West podcast is brought to you by Brink Sportswear. Brink Sportswear offers totally custom, made-to-order football uniforms that allow coaches and athletic directors to take control of their brands. The uniforms are available in sublimated and tackle twill. They offer free digital mock-ups, free shipping on team orders, and free physical samples before you buy so you know exactly what you're getting before you spend a dime of your program's money. Uniform sets start at $99 for sublimated and $120 for tackle twill. Head to BrinkSportswear.com. The Quad City's first and only fantasy football show, For Fantasy Sake, has you all covered when it comes to all of your fantasy football needs. The guys come to you live every Sunday morning during the football season from 10 to 1130. They've got the best analysis, rankings, DFS, and gambling advice between The Rock and Mississippi Rivers. 
So tune in to For Fantasy Sake every Sunday during the football season from 10 to 11.30 a.m. on Facebook and YouTube. View from the West is also sponsored by the Cupcake Cartel, gourmet cupcakes that are made to order. Over 40 flavors, including wedding cake, lemon blueberry, strawberry milkshake, snickerdoodle, and Oreo. Perfect for weddings, birthdays, fundraisers, or showers. You can find the Cupcake Cartel on Facebook. We want to thank them for their support. All right, let's jump into the Lincoln Land Conference. We'll start on the large side. We had a good, a lot of good matchups in this side of the division. We'll start with Knoxville and Elmwood Brimfield. Knoxville gets the 26-8 to win. Their new season, same look for the Blue Bullets. Knoxville runs their way to a big victory. 41 rushes, nearly 300 yards, four touchdowns. They were actually down 8 nothing early, but they went to the ground and scored 26 unanswered points. So, Mitch, very impressive week one for this Blue Bullets team that, you know, it sounds cliche over the years, but they don't really, you know, rebuild. They just reload. Yeah, and, and nothing flashy ever from this Knoxville team. They, they just get their noses down and, and just <laughs> run you straight into, into the grass. So, Nolan McClay, who we've talked about the past couple seasons, he paced the effort here on Friday, 167 yards and a pair of scores. Uh, Mitchell Parrish. Uh, alongside quarterback Will Shreves, both found Pater. So, um, but but just as good as they were offensively, this was a, a another stout effort defensively from the Blue Bullets, overcoming that early score. Um, and Jacob Morris was a big part of that, who led the team with six tackles, including two sacks or, or and two sacks, I should say. So, a great win for Knoxville here uh, against Elmwood. Um, again, th- doing the same sort of things that we've come to know about Knoxville. So. Good to see that the script is still the same and they're still winning uh, in ways that they have the past couple of seasons. Yeah, a good week one for them. And I think like we've talked about, I think this is a team that will be in the mix as you move your way through the season on this Lincoln land large side of the conference. Another team we've talked about being in the mix. Farmington gets the big win 39-12 over Illini West. This game was suspended at halftime due to weather. The Farmers were up at that point, 26-0. They finish it out 39-12. A nice win to start this season for head coach Toby Vallis out there in the Farmers. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm going to use this as, as a call for help to our friends in Farmington. So um, if we couldn't find stats on this game, so and this goes for any coach listening, please um, always feel free to send us your stats. We'll, we'll probably come and try and chase them anyway, but um, – uh, Twitter DMs, email, however it is easiest for you. Please get us your uh, your stats from the games. We want to promote your team, your players. Um, we've we've talked in the in the past, Greg, that sometimes the teams in, in these two conferences, um, you know, there there might not be as much media coverage there. So um, we're we're trying to provide that, right? So if if we can get stats from these schools, a lot of schools are, do a great job of getting us this stuff. So. Uh, but Farmington, I'm going to call you out specifically this week. Uh, since you won, um, if we can start getting stats, that would be great because we want to promote uh, your your great team. Well, there you go. You you mentioned you can yeah send us messages on on Twitter or you can email viewfromwestpod at gmail.com. That's an email that I'll see that we'll be able to get you know get your info, get your stats, and talk about them on the podcast. So yes, yeah. there you go. Well, Mitch, 
We also have Hayworth getting the 34-28 win over West Hancock. Head coach um, Coy Dorothy so close in this one. They fall yeah. by us by one score after you know he you know Coach Dorothy takes over this season, really revamps offense, revamps defense. They fall one score short, but a great effort here from the Titans. Yeah, and we're we're gonna need to keep an eye on this this Titan offense. So Coach Dorothy, you know, mentioned that wants to clean up the fumbles and the penalties that plagued them on Friday, like you mentioned, it one one score short here, but quarterback. Gavin Grothaus, Grothaus. We'll get Gro- clarification. Grothus, Grothus, Grothus. Gavin Grothus. Uh, we'll, we'll get we'll get clarification on that because I think we're going to be talking about him a lot. Okay. Twenty nine of thir- twenty nine of thirty nine for three hundred thirty five yards and three scores. Um. So, I mean, this is this is a, a Titan team that is going to put the ball in the air. Uh, Nolan Gooding had eight catches for one hundred and twenty two yards. Um. And, and it's it's kind of similar to, to Quincy, right? You, you've got a quarterback who can sling it, and you've got a lot of receivers there to to catch to catch his passes. Evan Carroll, uh, uh, Gate Scott, did I did I type that right? I hope so. Uh, and Bryce <laughs> Barner were all over sixty five yards receiving. So um, a loss here in week one, but I I was impressed here with with what this Titan offense can do. Yeah, that really stuck out to me when you, you put together the notes on this one. Well, you put together the notes on almost every game, so thank you, Mitch. Yeah. But when he, when I was reading through this one, yeah, those numbers really stuck out to me. Um, th- that will be something to follow along with. And, you know, this was a West Hancock team that had struggled last year. So with this new energy, new excitement. Yeah, and nonetheless, a, a great win for Hayworth, though, um, to, to, yep. be, to beat a good and to overcome uh, offensive production like that. So. Um, as much as we we talked about West Can- Hancock and rightfully so, Hayworth does get the win here, um, and a great win it, as it was in a close game in Week One. Yep. Let's move along to another team we think will be in the mix on top of this conference, this division of the conference. Macomb gets the thirty-four nothing win over Lewiston. This game was actually agreed upon to end at halftime when the Bombers had their thirty-four to nothing lead. Um, Braden Holdhouse finished with. Four of six, 126 yards, two touchdowns. He had another touchdown on the ground. But Mitch, there was other parts of this Bomber team that really made an impact here. Yeah, and I, this was, I think this was 34 nothing at the end of the first quarter too. So uh, the, the Bombers were clicking everywhere. This would have been, I didn't go back to before last year, but this would be at least their 10th straight regular season win. Uh, but a special teams unit blocked a punt, return it for a TD as well. So uh, we, we don't know the circumstances. Don't want to speculate. Um, you know, we know Lewiston was 0-9 last year. So, um, again, this game was mutually agreed to end with, with the Bombers uh, leading. And uh, they, they get the win here. So good start for, for the Bombers. Yep. One more game in the Lincolnland big side. It was a crossover game for Mercer County. They went up against Monmouth United. Mitch, this was one of my viewpoints to start this podcast. I'm really impressed with United's efforts here against the Mercer County team that we think is very talented. This is the first United gets the win 14 to six on the road at in Alito. This is the first victory ever in the series for the red storm. Now United had won, had beaten Alito Westmer years back before the consolidation 
but this was the first time that United had beaten a Mercer County football team. What a win here. I mean, United won the turnover battle. I believe they had three or four turnovers. Um, they had they got three or four turnovers, and they did not turn the ball over at all. That's a recipe for winning football any way you slice it. They capitalized on a Mercer County fumble in the first quarter. They grabbed an early eight to nothing lead. And right away I was I was impressed. I mean, I was they jumped out. They were playing with a lot of confidence. They capitalized on a on a mistake by Mercer County. They grabbed that lead, and it really felt like United was, you know, they they were believing. They were playing really tough. But I still, in the back of my mind, thought Mercer County has a lot of talent. They have a lot of weapons. They're going to be able to capitalize in this one, and they're going to be able to, to flip the script here. And sure enough, even in that first couple drives where Mercer County kind of looked clunky, they were trying to get themselves moving. Even when I didn't feel like they were moving the ball that well, then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, there's a Colby Cox to William Fredrickson 50-yard pitch and catch. And I thought, okay, here we go. Like, Mercer County's going to have more of this throughout the game. But again, I give credit to United. They really held strong. They did not let Mercer County do as much or anything as they wanted to do on offense. In the second quarter, it looked like Colby Cox had connected with Fredrickson again for another huge touchdown pass. This one was called back for holding. So Mercer County was doing themselves no favors. But this United defense, they held up all game. They hold a Golden Eagles team to six points, a team that we're pretty excited about this year. Yeah, I think we learned more about United than we did about Merco in this one. So we, we thought United would have some pieces to maybe get back into that playoff um, that, that playoff five win kind of range, but boy, this is, this is quite the win, uh, for, for coach Milroy here, um, to, to, to get uh, again uh, on paper week one, uh, an upset victory over Merco. So, um, you have in your notes that, you know, you were impressed by Tony Rodriguez and, and Jacob McElwee yep. United, good downhill runners. Um, when you have that physicality, you're, you're going to win a lot of ball games. So a uh, good start here for the red storm. Yeah, I, I liked what I saw to those two running backs. Like you mentioned, they they just seemed like they were always fighting for that extra yard. They were really, you know, finding their blocks, getting around them, and really getting, scratching, clawing everything they could. In this game, obviously, you know, close game, 14-6 final. Mercer County had their chances in the second half. They had opportunities to win this game. They weren't able to get it done. But again, I go back to this Red Storm team did not break. They were able to hold strong, come away with this win. I, like I said, I, w- I was surprised. I, I was very, you know, impressed with what the Red Storm did here. I think it's a great start to their season. Coach Milroy was our coach of the year a couple of years ago when they made their playoff push. So obviously we've been impressed with what he's done. And I was impressed with this one. Mitch, a great uniform matchup. I don't know if you saw my pictures on Twitter, but. This was a really yeah. solid matchup of two good-looking uniforms. Yeah, I mean, we, you know, we we've always been a fan of of both teams. Um, certainly, United has had that that classic, you know, Miami U logo ever yep. since their their inception. Now, you got notes here. We just talked about this with Kiwani. They've only they're un, only utilizing it on one side of the helmet, and that irks you. I know it does. Well, yeah. So both teams, Mercer County and United have their 
school logo on one side and the numbers on the other. And I, I mean, it for Mercer County, I think it works. And for United, it's okay. But man, I think that U is such a classic, like balanced logo. It would look great on both sides. I just think it would look great. I, I, I wish they did it on both sides. Either way, I like the way that I like both teams' uniforms. I like both teams' color schemes. So, you know. Yep. All right. All right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We we getting into the Lincoln Land Conference small school side of things here. Robo Williams Field goes on the road. They get a nice win over Havana, 29-20. to 20. Cougars begin their 23 campaign with a win behind 332 yards of offense on the night. Quarterback Riley Danner finishes 19 of 33, 218 yards and a pair of touchdowns. Talon Hull led the receiving core with 111 yards, six catches. Spencer Brown and Jack Godsell scored as well. So, you know, this is a, a good start for this Robo Williams field team. It's a good road win in week one. Yeah, uh, really impressed with with what they did here on the road. We knew, we knew that this team had a lot coming back. Um, we, we knew that Danner was going to be able to put up numbers again this year, so this is a good start for him. Town Hole, like you mentioned, 111 yards on six catches. Also was really big on defense um, uh, for the Cougars. Speaking of that, uh, Devontae Noel uh, played the role of Duck Hunter on the night here. That's <laughs> Again, uh, yeah. how many kids listen to the show? Know what? Know what uh, was that even the name of the game? <laughs> yeah, I think Duck it was. Hunter? Yeah, well, it was the game that came with like Mario Brothers, right? It was like Duck Duck Hunt. It came with us with the NES. Yeah. Yeah, was it Duck Hunt? Anyway, was it Duck Hunter? Did, Duck Hunt or Duck no, Hunter? I gotta look it up. <laughs> no, look it up. Anyway, um, he, along with Town Hall, he came up huge defensively because he had two interceptions, and, and certainly that. In a close game, you want you want to see production like that to keep um, Havana, you know, keep that offense outside of, or sorry, keep that offense off of the field. So really good, really good performance on both sides of the ball for Robo Williams Field here, um, doing doing things that we expected them to do, and and looking forward to seeing how they continue uh, to play well. Tune-up game in week two against Lewiston, I think, um, and and yeah, they they should be looking at a good two and zero start here. Yeah. Uh, Mitch, it was Duck Hunt. Duck Hunt. Okay. And, Hunt. Okay. and it uh, was developed and published in 1984. So there is yep. no way that these players nope. <laughs> are familiar with Duck Hunt. But we, we, move, chance. we move right along. Stark County gets the win 19-14 to over Rushville Industry. The first ever meeting between these two schools. This was a tight battle. The Rebels retook a lead in the early part of the fourth quarter. They held on to get their first win of 2023. Luke Rewerts, seven of eight passing, 76 yards. His only incompletion was an interception, but either way, that's pretty efficient passing. Yeah, uh, he was also the leading uh, rusher for Stark County with 68 yards on six carries and two scores that were both in the second half. So, um, couldn't have asked for a better time to score both of those for, for rewards who were really excited about this season with, with those scores though, the credit has to also go to the Stark County defense. Rushville industry rushed 
55 times in this game for 248 yards. Um, but yeah, but we're held out of the end zone in the, in the deciding quarter. So um, this Stark County unit really, really clamped up when they needed to led by Matthew Bowser, who had eight tackles. Uh, Charlie Holstrom had six tackles. Uh, so those two guys led that, that really good unit, but boy, getting, getting run at 55 times to the tune of 248 yards could knock a team down, but credit for Stark County for, for sticking around and getting, getting this win. Yeah, I know talking to uh, head coach Jade Nord, he he mentioned, I mean, several weeks ago that this was a game in week one, which crazy as it sounds in week one, this was maybe one of the more pivotal games on their schedule because it really could set the tone for them. And I think this is exactly how you want it to play out, right? It's a tough matchup. You're really tested and your kids answer the call in week one. So I think he was very happy with this week one victory, you know, obviously. And I think it goes a long way in this Stark County team kind of keeping at where they were last year or building on where they were last year. And also, Mitch, we got to give a shout out to Stark County because they listen to the podcast while they're working out in the morning. Their morning workouts are to our podcast. So that's great. Yeah. Well, even better when when you're lifting in the early mornings after a win. So That's true. um, Yeah. So... uh, spirits should be high uh probably t- tomorrow morning or wednesday morning whenever uh whenever we get this out whenever their next morning lift is so uh yeah we love again love the listenership we appreciate the support and, and happy to uh, to cover cover these rebels uh yeah. all season and also i didn't realize until recently that uh you know coach nord is also mr nord teaching uh pre-calc which okay. you know in a couple years the the farther my son gets in uh you know he's now in junior high the farther he gets along in high school, I might stop text, texting him about football and actually start texting him with like help on homework that I, I need. I need help helping my son because I'm I'm at a loss. When it starts getting into like yeah. junior high math, I'm I'm kind of done. So yeah, that's that's a good contact to have for you moving <laughs> forward. No question. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Mitch. A couple more scores in the Lincoln Land. Anwan Weathersfield gets the win, twenty-eight to nothing over South Fulton. This was a team. Mitch, this is a team in particular you're very high on. They get the they get the win here in week one. They look really good. Also, Princeville gets the win 30 to 13 over A-Town. So a few more scores there. Mitch, are we gonna jump into week two here and dive into the matchups? Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's um, do it. Yeah, for, first one I'm looking at right off the bat, uh, a Merco team that we just talked about needs a bounce back win. Yep. Going up against a team that we're familiar with in Prue St. Bede, who is coming off of a win over a, a always tough Tuscola team in, in week one. So really intrigued by, by that matchup. Uh, moving down, you've got Illini West at Elmwood Brimfield. Farmington, up, uh, they will host West Hancock. Really looking forward to that game. And this next one, Knoxville hosting Macomb. You've yeah. got Robo Williams versus Lewiston. A-Town versus South Fulton. Havana travels to Princeville. Here's an, here's another one. This is a really intriguing week here. Anon Weathersfield versus Stark County and United versus uh, Rushville. So, um, boy, the, the, there's there's three games right there that are going to play a huge part in determining who wins each division, right? So, yeah. Um, boy, I, we're, I'll 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 kick it to you as to what game you might be looking at the most here in week two. Well, 
when I start looking down this list, I'll start with, I think the game that I'm going to be walking the sidelines is Stark County at Anawan Weathersfield. Uh, that's, mm-hmm. that's a game I'm intrigued by in week two. It seems like a, a pivotal matchup, you know, for this Stark County team. They're riding some momentum now. They played a really good game against Rushville Industry. This is a big test, right? This is a big test against an Anawan Weathersfield team that we've talked about a lot. It is primed for a great season. But I, I'm just I'm interested to see how this one is this is this an opportunity for Stark County to 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 steal a big win on the road in what had been traditionally over the years a big you know arrival you know mm-hmm. yeah I, again you're talking about moving up into two and zero in conference play on the small school side and I think they'll be right there with with Rova at the end of the week too so. This will go, again, a long way to determining who may be in the, the driver's seat or, or right there in the small school division. So really looking forward to that game. Um, on the big school side, Knoxville and Macomb, two really good programs over the past couple of years. And, and Farmington and West Hancock, same same thing. Really looking forward to uh, both of those offenses going up against one another. So this is this is a really, really intriguing intriguing week here in the LLC. Business as usual on the LLC, Greg. I do like to say, <laughs> absolutely. Um, and, and yeah, I think I think there are some key matchups that'll have season long implications here um, in just a, in just a couple of days. Well, the the last one before we wrap this up is is Mercer County. How do they bounce back? They go on the road now. Peru St. Bede coming off an impressive win, like you said, against Tuscola in Week One. How do they bounce back? You know, I think Mercer County has all the pieces there and I just think they need to clean up a little bit you know they kind of were their own worst enemy at times in that game against United can they can they write that can they write themselves and I think if they can play you know a well-rounded game there offensively defensively I think they can hang with a Peru St. Beat team that they're impressive they so they have Max Bray, a quarterback transferred in this year from Aurora Christian. And actually, uh, being from Ottawa, which is not too far from LaSalle, Peru, I had heard a little bit about Max Bray. He's actually, he grew up in the area and still lived in the area and had been going to high school up in Aurora and had a um, family situation that kind of brought him back closer to home. So now he's transferred into St. Bede for his senior year. He's put up great numbers over the years for an Aurora Christian team that has been in the playoffs. You know, they've been bounced in the playoffs by some of our local NUIC teams, but still, you know, he was a great athlete. Yeah. So that's, you know, can Mercer County's defense be able to slow him down? I think that's an interesting matchup. But I really, I'm more concerned with, or what I really want to see is, I want to see Mercer County kind of hit their stride. I want to see them get in sync and kind of do what this offense, what we know this offense can do and what they're capable of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you said it. So again, one, one of the many intriguing games here in, uh, in week two in the LLC. Yep. Let's jump into the Northwest upstate Illini. We'll start with the defending state champions, Mitch Lena Winslow gets the 68 to nothing win over West Carroll. The defending state champs doing what defending state champions do. The Panthers roll to the tune of 350 rushing yards, six touchdowns. 
Gage Dunker, Nick Tippett, Blake Duncan, uh, Alex Schlichting, and Eli Klecker all scored for the Panthers. So just a lot, you know, a lot of fireworks for this Lena Winslow Panthers team in week one. But it was all part of a, a great night, an even bigger night, not just on the field, but for head coach Rick Aaron. Yeah, this was this was cool. Um, the, the field at Lee Wynn is now going to be known forever as Rick Aaron Field. So this was a special moment. There's a great picture that, that Kyle at NUIC, NUIC Football posted uh, of Coach and his family. So a great moment, obviously well-deserved well uh, for Coach Aaron. Special night for his family there on Friday night. Um, alongside a great win. So yeah, this, this was, this was cool to see much again, so much deserved, uh, for, for, for coach Aaron couldn't, couldn't have him to a better person and a better coach. Yep. Another team off to a great start in the Northwest upstate Illini. How about the Dakota Indians? Kind of a tricky off season. They've had to deal with a coaching change late in their off season. They come away with the 48 to 12 win over Fisher Indians jump out to an early lead. Never look back on this one. Coach Didich gets a win in his debut. Benny Gordon has 134 yards and three touchdowns. Jason Bowers added 116 yards and two touchdowns. Tristan Alexander also scored on the ground. The Indians' air attack showed some signs of life as well. Nolan Mayberry had a touchdown pass to Braxton Niedermeyer. So a really good effort for the Indians right off the bat here in week one. This is where I'm going to go on my soapbox for a minute, Greg. Yeah, I was kind of waiting. I was kind of waiting for this. Yeah. I, I text you about this, and it doesn't have anything to do with, with Dakota or, or Fisher directly. Okay. But, okay. And this is me going directly after Lee Enterprises. Oh, here we is, go. Okay. Who is the conglomerate that own uh, a bunch of local newspapers. Yep. Including the Quad City Times. Yep. Right, including including the Times, the Dispatch, yep, um, the Herald and Review, Muscatine Journal, like all of them. Yep. Um, and we talked about this when we talked to Edgy Tim about the, the landscape of of media, and how these these corporations come in, buy up these newspapers, and just slash the departments. And and sports is is always one to go. Yeah. I've I've noticed over over the years that if and, and again we we read a lot of the of the game recaps we try and support our our local reporters as much as we can. Sometimes, and this is this is one of those times that I was trying to find a, a writing recap of this game. That you, you'll find one and you'll think, great, here's a recap. That same recap exists on four or five different websites. I know, I know. I is, already know. Yep. And it yep. is written. It is written by AI. I know. This one in particular, the Dakota game, it references that both teams went through a Rip Van Winkle experience. What? It's not an appropriate thing to say about high school football because what? the Rip Van Rip Van Rip Van Winkle is a short story that describes a man who gets drunk and passes out and misses the American Revolution. <laughs> not really the to make about high school football so if you ever if you don't know what i'm talking about do it do it with this game look up dakota fisher football and it, it'll be 
whatever publication, I think it's Pantograph or, or something. Yeah. Read yeah. the review and tell me that a human person wrote that. And you will never see one that looks like a person wrote it. So that, that's my that's my soapbox that to to Lee Enterprises, just cut this crap, pay your people, and you you're not fooling anybody with this crap. So and, and the only reason that, that kind of got me is because I saw that that Gannett, who is also a big media conglomerate who owns a million newspapers, they got caught doing it because their AI results were showing like placeholder like Team A, in, insert mascot here, like in brackets, in this recap. <laughs> yeah. Won this game. And like, it's, I'm, I should just start tweeting out some of those screencasts because they're all terrible. And it's just, that's that's my soapbox to these conglomerates. Shout out to all of the, the sports writers that, that work for them or any sports writer who, who don't anymore. Your work is appreciated more than you ever know this crap is ridiculous. I hate it. And it, it just makes me mad. And yeah. I think it's, I think it's called lead AI sports desk. That's the, you see it. That's the byline of quote unquote who wrote it. And yes, I've seen them for the past couple of years and they're so bad. They're so bad. I agree. I agree. I think the one thing before we move along, I think the one thing I will remind everyone is, when people get frustrated with no one covers these teams anymore, no one, no one's going to our games anymore. There's no reporter yeah. there. I think we have to remember to not to, to, to remind ourselves to not be critical of the individuals that aren't showing up there or the, the, you know, the newspaper that used to cover your team, please don't blame a local newsroom because there are some people in those newsrooms that man, they're working their tails off and they're not getting paid really well and they're working a ton of hours and there's someone in upper management who probably doesn't even live anywhere near where you are that is making decisions that are very unfortunate for local right. coverage. So I think I just want to always make that reminder. Oh well, yeah, it has nothing to do with the publications because we have a lot of friends at the Times, we have a lot of friends at the Dispatch. Yep. Um, nothing to do with those papers. They, they are put up against the wall sometimes when it comes to these corporations coming in and buying the operation. So um, yeah, just, just blamely enterprises is my, my thing. Hey Mitch, terrible. Every, every year, every year we get a little bigger. Eventually we're going to hire a staff. We're going to cover games. We're going to be doing all that stuff. So we'll, we'll fill that void. We'll fill that void as well as we can every year. And we'll just continue to grow and, and more and more coverage. So yeah. Right. All right. Well, how about one of the marquee matchups that we anticipated going into this week one? Forreston gets the 22 to 18 win over Fulton, trailing 18 to 8 at halftime. The Forreston Cardinals storm back. They avenge a tough loss to the Steamers last season. They get the win in this one. Caleb Sanders, a name we've been familiar with, scored from 17 yards out with just under six minutes left to play to seal the win. He also added the two-point run to push the lead. So good win for this Forreston team. But man, I was impressed on both sides of the ball, on, on Forreston's side and on Fulton's side. Yeah, let me let me read you a quote from Fulton coach Patrick Lower and, and, and tell me if this sounds familiar. Their power running game got us at the end. If that 
doesn't describe yeah. every Fulton team that's ever existed. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because, because as you mentioned, Fulton jumped out to a really, a really quick start. I, I liked what I saw from their new quarterback, Don Kramer, um, and the, the whole steamer attack. But in the end, this Fulton team just battled and just wore down Fulton. Um, it's a credit to, to Forreston. It certainly is a credit um, to Coach Janicki. But again, this this really started right after halftime. The second play of the second half was was a turning point. Sophomore Carson Aikens picks off uh, Fulton's Don Kramer, and that kicked off a 57-yard scoring drive, and that put Forreston kind of back within a score there. And that's really when the momentum shifted. You could tell um, a, a bolt of lightning goes through Fulton. Maybe it deflates. Or sorry, it goes goes to Fulton. Oh, sorry. A bolt <laughs> of lightning goes to Forreston and, and maybe deflates Fulton a little bit because that's when you kind of saw things changing. And, and again, with, with Coach Lower's quote, when you have a team like Forreston who is just ground and pound all the way, it's going to wear you down. So – um, a, a classic force and win, really, all things considered. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree that this is this is what you expect out of Forreston. I will say, looking back at our preview episode of the NUIC and looking back in the previews form that I had gotten from Coach Lower, I, I liked a lot of what he had to say about his players. And I wanted to see, I wanted to see if that would be validated in week one i wanted to see how good this fulton team was because i felt pretty good about this forreston team knowing that they had a lot of pieces they were kind of ready to go this year i think i'm I'm equally like i said in the beginning i'm equally as impressed with fulton in this one as i am with forreston i think fulton's mm-hmm. gonna win a lot of fulton's gonna win a lot of football games this year they fell just short in this one but i think their players are gonna learn they're gonna see what happened in this one they're going to come out with some wins. They're going to close out some games this year as a reflection of this one. This game will be a motivating factor moving down the way. Yeah, I, I was really impressed with Don Kramer um, th- this this night. He had 179 yards passing. We've talked about Baylon Damhoff in the past being uh, a big-time receiver for them. Certainly their defense played well because, again, if you can hold Forrest into eight points in any half, that's a really, really good job well done. So I, I don't anticipate this to take away from Fulton season at all. This was, this was a three versus four matchup. You knew it was going to yeah. be close. You knew it was going to be good. Just like every game between these two, these two programs. So uh, Forreston uh, and finally gets some revenge here. So um, a great game, a great week one game. And uh, again, looking forward to both teams moving forward. Yeah. A quick shout out to our man, Tony Z. He has his podcast. I guessed it on his podcast um, last week. Yeah. He's starting things up, covering local high school sports. So great to hear him on the call here for Fulton. He does a great job. He was there at this one, heard some of his highlights. They sounded great. He covers Fulton all year long. He's live streaming, doing great play-by-play. Um, and more. And uh, Mitch, Fulton had, or Forreston had new white helmets. Your thoughts? I'm still trying to get used to it. I think that's yeah. the thing. I don't think they look bad. They they went all black, um, uh, white lid, black jersey, black pants. So I like that look um, on the Iowa side. That's what Davenport Assumption does, and I think it looks nice. 
it's just it's just getting used to it, I think. But yeah. in a game like this, where you have two teams with the exact same color schemes, it was it was nice to mix it up that way. Yep, yep. I thought it. Yeah, I like on its own. I like that white helmet um, for Forreston. I think it's, I think it's, I think it's an improved look. Um, the the red was always kind of that classic look. They've had it for several years, but the white really pops to me. So you know, we'll see how it looks when they go on the road. If if I can make one, I don't know if I don't think these are new force and uniforms as a whole. But if I can make one point, looking okay. at looking at the picture, the stripes don't match. You've oh, got, that's on the jersey. I know, I know. On the jersey, you've got a, a, a predominant thicker uh, red stripe with white outline. Okay. And on the pant, it's a thick white stripe with thin red trim. So they invert a little bit. So again, not. Not to nitpick, but I, I can see it. Okay, that that doesn't bother me as long if the colors are flipped, but the the stripes are the same style. Doesn't bother me as much, but I know it. I know it gets you. So I don't even know it gets the same style. So that's okay. Okay. Is, okay. All right. Well, Galena gets the twenty-eight to six win over Eastland Pearl City. Mitch, we were high on Eastland Pearl City coming into this year. They missed the playoffs a year ago. On the Galena side of things, we didn't know a whole lot of what they had back. We were kind of curious to see what they would look like. This is an impressive win for the Pirates. This was a weird game. Um, because it, looking at the box score, EPC outgained Galena, and they never punted. Wow, that they is lost weird. By, they lost by three scores. Um, for, for Galena, Jack Reese... Miles Schumacher combined for 179 yards and four touchdowns on the ground. I think the biggest difference when you see like the uh, unusualness of a box score like that, it was the two interceptions that the pirate defense got um, that, that helped them certainly shut them down most of the game. It shut them out in the entire second half. So yeah, uh, again, a weird game to look at on paper, but a great win for Galena. No question. Yeah, like we said, I think if um, if you're holding an Eastland Pearl City team like this to six points, I think you're doing I think you're doing great job because we were pretty high on the pieces they had coming back from a team that was kind of in the mix last year. They didn't they didn't finish a lot of games, but they were in the mix. They they had played well, so I think if you're holding that team to six points, that's a great way to start your season for Galena. Curious to see where they go from here, and also I think. This Eastland Pearl City team, is this motivated them? Does this bounce back for them? Can they steal a win along the way that maybe we don't expect that, you know, we'll get them back in that playoff conversation for sure? Yeah, J Jackson Kemble had a nice night. He scored the lone touchdown for the Wildcats. It was a 37-yard touchdown in the second quarter. Uh, and he, he, read their lush, he led their rushers with 90 yards on 12 carries. So good production. And again, this team outgained Galena. So whatever coaches are going to see on the tape, you know, they were doing something right. They just didn't come away with a victory. So, but again, all credit to Galena on this one, a great win for the pirates. Yep. One more game to cover here in the Northwest upstate Illini. Dupec gets the 20 to 16 win over Stockton. Dupec pulls out the late game victory. They were behind 16 to eight in the second quarter. They still were staring at a 16-14 halftime deficit. But they come back and grab this win. Mitch, this was a great game. Great effort by Stockton. Really good win in week one for Dupec. 
Yeah, I and again, I think we we said it in the United thing. I think we learned more about Stockton than we did again than than we learned about Dupac. Um, we we expect Dupac to be a top team competing for the NUIC title this year. We knew Stockton would be a little bit better than they were last year, but to come out week one and compete against a really really good Cooper Hoffman team, I think speaks a lot about the Blackhawks this year. So. Um, for Stockton, uh, Tanner Gilly and Carl Hub each each ran for over 60 yards. Um, it was Cooper Huffman, though, always being that key piece of this Dupec offense. He passed for 154 yards and two touchdowns. The best, Greg, was the game winner. Yes. Late in the fourth. Yes. Um, so, so Scott Lieber with WTVO yes. has a great video of it. A couple other people that are standing in the sidelines have shared – uh, the angles. Um, it, it, Hoffman rushes to his right and just kind of throws one up to Brody Black. What a catch! Yeah. Corner of the end zone. He, Odell Beckham's this thing. One <laughs> hand grab, pulls it in. It is an awesome touchdown. It was the game winner. Um, so yeah, what, what a way to, uh, to win that one. It's, it's, I'm watching it as I, as I talk about it right now. Yeah. Um, a very, very, very nice grab play of the year type of candidate type of play. So, um, yeah, great, great win. Great win for Dupac to kind of win under, you know, adversity, um, pulling out late against a, a really motivated Stockton team. So, uh, but but again, I think we learned more, maybe more about Stockton this year. So looking forward to seeing how they they move forward. Uh, they match up with Hayworth next week in a crossover game with with the LLC. So uh, a Hayworth team that we talked about that beat West Hancock. So um, yeah, th- this was this was a great game. And and again, I think we retweeted it. We could do it again. But that play uh, with Brody Black um, sealing that win. This was great. Yeah, I just I just reposted it. And yeah, shout out to Scott Lieber. Great coverage out of the Rockford area for WTVO. So un- unbelievable catch, great video, and I love man. He slowed it down. You just see the you see the one handed, like you said, it's it's Odell Beckham esque. It's it's great. Yeah. That's that's a Greg Armstrong edit, I think, slowing it down and making sure it, the fans can see all the details. I, I've seen you do that before. Yeah, ha- yeah, you have to. I love it. All right, well, let's talk about week two here. A lot of exciting matchups. I think the marquee one, Fulton hosting Lena Winslow. That's a game that stands out to me. You also have Dakota hosting Forreston. Galena goes on the road to West Carroll. Eastland Pearl City hosts Dupec. Stockton in the non-conference game against Hayworth, a Hayworth team we talked about who got the win over West Hancock out of the LLC in week one. So, Mitch, what do you see here? Yeah, I, I don't know how you look past Lee Wynn Fulton as the game of the week. Um, you know, cer- certainly, uh, unfortunately, you can't take a whole lot of stock in what Lee Wynn did against West Carroll. No offense to West Carroll. We're happy that you're, you're back in 11-man, but we also understand it's a tough task to go against Lee Wynn. So th- this will be, we, we saw what Fulton's defense was able to do to force and to slow them down in the first half. Um, and, and a score uh, as well on offense. So can they regroup from a tough week one loss versus is, 
is Lee Wynn. I, correct me if I'm wrong. Lee Wynn, I think it was a close game in the first half last year, and Lee Wynn just completely cruised in the second half. That sounds right. And then Lena Winslow really jumped on him in the playoff game. The playoff game right. wasn't nearly as close. Um, but yes, right. I believe Fulton hung around, challenged him in the regular season. So yeah. yeah, I mean, for me, yeah, the question is, we've seen Lee win with this huge win in week one. We know they're a great program. Is this year's individual team, you know, where do they stack up? And I, I think that they're still very good. But is this a Fulton team that comes in motivated, comes in hungry? They'll be at home. You know, maybe, I don't know. Is there an opportunity for them to steal one here that it would be, it would be considered an upset, certainly, based on mm-hmm. the track record that Lena Winslow has had over the years. But um, yeah. it's a game that's interesting to watch for sure. You know, and it'd be a pretty, pretty hard hole for Fulton. Well, well there's, if, if Fulton were to go 0-2, right, that, that's a, it's a hard hard pill to swallow it's a tough hole to get out of but you have just gotten rid of arguably your two hardest games of the season right i would think so so. yeah so not again not not saying that fulton is going to lose the lead win i think it's going to be a good game but i'm just hypothetically saying if you were to finish this week at zero and two and then looking forward at what you have coming up i don't think it diminishes their chances whatsoever um so, so yeah, looking forward to that one. I do think that one probably would would earn game of the week. I think from a conference perspective and, and placement in the conference standings at the end of the year, Dakota versus Forreston is going to play a big role, and the winner of this game is going to take that next step up. So both teams impressive uh, for different reasons. Certainly Forreston played a, a harder opponent than Dakota did, but Dakota was nonetheless impressive. So two really good running teams who have had classic matchups in the past. Um, and again, I think the winner um, will, will kind of be hanging around there with Lee Wynn, maybe a little closer than the third place team um, moving forward. Yep. Um, you look at Eastland Pearl City is hosting Dupec. We talked about Dupec coming away with that big win. It was a close one over Stockton. Can Erie, can Eastland Pearl City, can they, can they jump out? Can they, you know, regroup after that loss to Galena? Like you said, they, they put up some numbers against Galena. They just weren't able to punch it in the end zone. Can they work towards getting, you know, finishing some of those drives, making some big plays against a Dupec team that looks pretty good again, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, great, great set of, of five games here. So, uh, again, games that have impl- impl- implications on the conference standings, not only now, but um, even looking forward to week nine, we'll look back at these games and and, and, and point to uh, results that I, – I don't know. I'm at a loss of words how I want to say it. We'll, we'll look back and point to these games. Yep as as reasons as to why teams are placed where they are at the end of the year yep and that that last one before we wrap it up stockton and hayworth in a non-conference game hayworth got the win in week one over west hancock but i do think this is an opportunity based on how stockton showed up against dupec i think this is a chance for them to get in the win column 
go to one and one and then jump back into the Northwest upstate Illini schedule and see if they can make some noise. This is a Stockton program that wants to be back in the playoffs. They're not satisfied any other way. So I think this, yep. this matchup against Hayworth is potential there. So, all right, we'll talk a little bit of eight man before we wrap things up here. And Mitch, when we're talking eight man football, we got to start with the number one seed, the number, the top ranked team in the state, the Amboy Clippers. They get the decisive, no doubt win, 46 nothing over Decatur Unity. Top seeded Clippers looked every bit the part. They started starting the running clock just 52 seconds into the second quarter. They were up 32 to nothing. Offense, defense, special teams, you know, this team kind of did it all. Did you get a chance to see any of this one? Did you follow this one at all? I, I was able to follow it. It was, it started, um, I think it was the first game to start on Friday. So maybe it wasn't as hot in Amboy because a lot of games got pushed through the heat. So this game was going on before any of the other ones, but it was, I think, I think Corey Cutter was there and it was just kind of score, 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 yeah. score as the yeah. updates came yep. through. Um, probably the biggest one, um, like you said, uh, offense, defense, special teams were all working. Um, they had a pair of interceptions. The, the biggest one was, was a blocked punt return for a TD. I think this was the second score of the game. Um, got, got to give our shout out to, to the big man, junior lineman, Caleb sugars. I, okay. I hope it's sugars. I really hope it's sugars. <laughs> um, he, he scooped up the kick out of the block and returned it 19 yards, his first high school touchdown. So, uh, we love, we love, love when it. that happens. But, um, uh, yeah, great, great player from that unit. Brennan Blaine, who we, who we talked about, he scored three first half touchdowns. So, yeah, this was this was uh, a walk in the park for the Clippers. Great start to their campaign as they, they start heading towards a, a championship uh, drive. I mean, Mitch, Brennan Blaine touchdowns for Amboy are fun. But come on, a lineman touchdown that that's where the that's where the real fun starts. Yeah, that's where the money is. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, looking down the rankings, Polo, the number two team in eight-man football, they get the 62-14 to win over Peoria Heights. A quarterback name we're very familiar with, Brock Soltau, rushed for 110 yards, three touchdowns on 14 carries, also completed two of three passing for 61 yards and a score. Polo bolted out to a big win here. Noah Dewey had two catches for 61 yards and a score. Bill Lowry also had a 40-yard touchdown grab, and Carter Meridian had a late, or, hey, sorry, a Bill Lowry touchdown catch from Carter Meridian late in the game. So, great effort from Polo here in week one. Yep. Uh, Rock Soltow was hurt last year. Do I, am I remembering that right? He was hurt I for part think, of the I think, um, I don't know if he was in and out, but I know that Avery Grenoble was hurt. He was okay, the senior last year. And then okay. Soltau was, yep. Yeah, we've, we've certainly talked about Soltau the past couple of years. So good, yeah. good to see him, uh, whether, whether he was hurt last year or not, good to see him in command of this offense. So great win here for Polo uh, to kick off the year. Yep. Number three team in the state in eight-man football, Milledgeville, gets the win 48 to nothing over River Ridge. Connor Nye, five touchdowns on the afternoon, 190 total yep. yards. Mitch, it's Connor Nye. If we're talking Milledgeville football, we're going to be talking about him. It's Connor Nye in a new alternate uniform. There I know, I know. How about that? 
Uh, uh, Coach Roble, Morrison grad, coming coming in clutch with the all uh, orange uniform there for for the missile. So yeah, good look there. I, I hand up. I like the all black. I, you know, it's it's a great look. But yep. love to see an orange all. It was nice. Yep, yeah, looked really good. Connor Johnson had a touchdown reception. Spencer Nye also scored on the ground and had a safety for the missiles as well. So great start for Milledgeville, a team that we expect to rack up some wins this year. I mean, Connor Nye feels like we've been calling his name for five years or more, but you know, yeah, they're going yeah, to be playing that air siren quite a bit there yeah. in Milledgeville, I think, this year. So, yep, he's an impact player for sure. I got, I got my sights set. I'm going to make it to a Milledgeville game. It'll be a few yeah. weeks from now, but I'm I'm going to be there for sure. That's a must stop every year. So, a few other games uh, to go ahead. Sorry, I was you got uh, in week three. Well, no, this is at Polo. Uh, just looking ahead to see when you can get to oh, Milledgeville. You, I think. What do you think about week, week six? No. Week six. What do you think about week four? Week four, I start in Milledgeville, and then I head okay. to Sterling. Okay. Just saying. Week six, Amboy at Milledgeville. Ooh, that's okay. Okay. Well, I'd have to look ahead and see I'm if Sterling about, or Newman are Sterling or Newman. If they're at home, then I could pair that up real nice. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, a few more eight-man scores to cover. West Central falls to Flanagan Cornell Woodland 35 to 20. Ridgewood, the Spartans. Mitch, they're off to a great start after a great year last year. They defeat Pawnee, a, a Pawnee team that was pretty good a year ago. They defeat them 44 to nothing. So very decisive win. Very interested to see just how good the Spartans are this year. They get the win there. West Prairie beats Galva 56 to 6. And Orangeville gets the win over Ashton Franklin Center 46 to 12. The Broncos were only 1 and 8 a year ago, and they already have a win on the board in 23. So great start for them. Yep, absolutely. Looking, looking ahead here um, to, to week two, you've got Amboy going to River Ridge. You've got Quest Charter, who I can honestly tell you, I have no clue who that is. Going Peoria, to they're from Peoria. But yeah. Okay. Um, you've got a classic eight-man matchup here, Polo at Orangeville. That's a 1 p.m. kickoff on Saturday. Uh, and then you got Alden Hebron going to Ashton Franklin Center uh, for Friday night kickoff. So um, and another great another great start for eight man. Looking forward to the season. But um, as we kind of talked about, the top three teams really kind of showing uh, that their rankings are true, um, all, all putting up huge wins um, and, and, and throw Ridgewood in there, too. So um, great, great start here in eight man. Yeah, did you mention that uh, Ridge, Ridgewood will be hosting West Central in week two? So there's another a Lincoln Trail uh, rivalry there meeting up in eight-man football. So, yep. All right, Mitch. Well, I think I think this week I'm going to do – I'm going to start at Anawan Weathersfield in Stark County, and then I'm going to head down the road. Kiwani, Boilermakers are also at home. They're playing Erie Prophetstown. And then the beauty of being that close in Kiwani is if if I want to head back and end up, whichever game is closest, I can end up there. So I, I'm excited to be in Kiwani. Usually, knock on wood, I've had pretty good 
Lux sending back video from there. Signal's usually very strong, so I don't have to worry about hustling back to the station. I can stick it out, stay till the end of the game, get good highlights. I'm excited for those two. I'm, I'm excited to have a, a football Friday in Kiwani. Yeah. You know, just kind of kind of recapping. A lot, a lot of great games that I'm looking forward to seeing how things shake out. Moline versus Bennett there in, in the Western Big Six. Um, you, you've got in the track what we talked about a lot with, with Morrison going to Princeton. Newman and Sherrard is going to play a big, a big factor. In the LLC, great games. Can Merco bounce back against Peru St. Beat? You've got Farmington and West Hancock, Knoxville at Macomb, Anno and Weathersfield and Stark County. And then in, in, in the NUIC, uh, like we talked about, we're looking at Dakota hosting Forreston and Lee Wynn on the road at Fulton. So a lot of great games this week. Uh, really looking forward to seeing, seeing our teams, and then we'll be talking about them next week. Absolutely. We'll be right back here talking about it. I'll be out covering games on Friday night. Mitch, you'll be watching the NFHS Network and watching Tiger uh, Tiger Central Live. That will be a big one against Morrison. You'll keep everybody posted on Twitter. And, uh, yeah, I can't wait to get into another week of high school football here. Yep, we're, we're, we're in it now. So um, great games to be had and, and looking forward to it. Yep. Well, thank you to everyone who listens. I encourage you to go back if you haven't already. Go back and listen to our Instant Reacts podcast. We bring that to you late night, every Friday night. It gets posted about 2 in the morning, usually. <laughs> usually, it goes uh, goes live about 2 in the morning on Podbean. You can listen to it on Saturday morning if you're not still awake. But uh, we'll have that every Friday night, and then we'll be back every Tuesday. Tuesday morning, we'll have this podcast out to you bright and early so you can get your high school football fix. We, of course... Always want to thank our sponsor, Breedlove Sporting Goods. Thank you so much to Breedloves. Mitch, we will uh, we'll be in communication, but we will talk next week on the pod when we get just yep. a little bit more information how this season is going to play out. Sounds good. We'll, uh, we'll see everyone on Friday night. That'll do it for this week's episode of View from the West. Thank you so much for listening. I encourage you to go out to Apple Podcasts or Podbean and subscribe so you can follow along and downloads will come automatically every week. You can follow along on Twitter at ViewFromWestPod. You can also email me if you're interested in being a sponsor, ViewFromWestPod at gmail.com. Thanks so much. We'll see you next week.